Who fans, welcome to the Big Blue Box podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And welcome to episode 195. Yes. Have you ever thought what it's like to be wanderers in the fourth dimension? Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow, so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. There's no point in being grown up if you can't be childish sometimes. The trouble with time travel is... One never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor. Great men are forged in fire. It is the privilege of lesser men to light the flame. I'm the doctor. This is Rose Tyler. She's my plus one. Is that right? That would be me. Hello. Surprise. Boom. Etc. I'm the doctor. Do everything I tell you. Don't ask stupid questions. And don't wander off. How can you kid this? I don't like the colour. Howdy do, Who fans. Hope you've all had a cracking couple of weeks. And that you've managed to do something Doctor Who Who related. Yes, we are back. Apologies for no show last week. That was my that was down to my schedule and stuff with my you know, Adam, there are just times where the old day job <laughs> just does my, you know. Yeah. I know. Just life gets in the way life sometimes of ex- all the fun, all the good stuff. That's exactly yeah. it. Life gets in yes. the way. Yes. I had a very busy week last week with uh, with work, so I wasn't around. So apologies for that. But we are back this week. Yeah. So thank you, one and all, for coming back and giving us a listen. Much appreciated. Waving to our long-term Long-term listeners, the grizzled ancients, mm-hmm. and a big wave to our new listeners, whoever you are. Welcome aboard. Welcome aboard the TARDIS. The TARDIS. Yeah. So we've got loads to cover in this show. Well, yeah, uh, it's jam-packed. Bit of a news recap, a few bits, uh, some merch, some controversial conversation on a few of these bits. Twitter mm. has been ablaze with... Oh, it's been on fire. All sorts, mm. this week especially since last weekend. Uh, and then we're on to our review of The Satan Pit, our mm. conclusion to that cheeky Tenth Doctor story. In the meantime... Toby. Toby. You <laughs> 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 will die. <laughs> In the meantime... <laughs> how have you been, my good friend? Yeah, I've been good, thanks, mate. So, yes, not too bad at all. Been um, up to anything Who-related? Uh, well, uh, you you doing your Tegan impression there, the TARDIS, uh, reminded me that I have I have been really enjoying uh, Tegan um, on, Twitch. on Twitch. I've been watching, because yeah. obviously Fifth Doctor era has just been and gone on Twitch, so I, I've been dipping into that, I watched a bit of Cast of Velva and stuff, and, and actually I watched Four to Doomsday, which um, I remember when we reviewed it, you you really liked that one, and I, it's never been one of my favourites, but um, I actually got quite into it, uh, watching it the other night on Twitch, oh, I was quite enjoying go. it, yeah. because mainly because of um, <laughs> Tegan, she's hilarious in it, and yeah. And uh, and also Adric's just such a miserable brat in it. I was really finding it quite fun to watch. There's that bit where he says, "Sorry, could someone pass the sodium chloride, please?" And she means she's like, "Do you mean salt?" And it's just like, "What does that? What is that line?" I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so I've been watching a bit of Twitch and all that stuff. Um, I've been blitzing through my Fourth Doctor season twelve Blu-ray set as well. Okay. Um, the the special features on that. I tell you what, um, that is a great set actually to, to anyone that had any doubts and 
were saying like, you know, but I've already got the DVDs. It's, you know, it's a cash grab from the BBC. Oh, I don't okay. need to buy it. Yep. I've got to disagree because it's um it's a really good set. Uh, you know the the extras on it. They've really put some 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 time into it. Um, so I watched the the new hour long interview with Tom Baker, mm-hmm. where he's talking to Matthew Sweet. It's brilliant. I I literally didn't want it to end. I, I honestly I was sat there enjoying it so much, and at the end of it, they open a bottle of wine and start drinking. And as soon as he sort of open the bottle and I knew the interview was coming to the end. I was like, Oh no, don't, don't go. It was, mm-hmm. it's a great interview. It's so good. Uh, and I've watched all the little behind the sofas features. Cause there's one for each story. It's, you know, Doc two meets Gogglebox basically. And again, Janet Fielding is hilarious uh, on those. Mm-hmm. She really does make them. Um, so yeah, I've been blitzing through that. Really enjoyed it. Um, the only other thing really I've been doing is, is gearing up for LFCC, which we've got coming up. Uh-huh. Um, uh not this weekend but next isn't it so end of the month um yeah i mean i've unlike last year where i think i'd booked loads of photo shoots by now uh uh, for this one there's some great guests but because of the prices i haven't sort of bought any yet i've been really sort of holding back on on buying the photo shoots this year because i just i've got to be so selective with who i actually buy because they're quite expensive this year uh and they've really got some great guests actually you you tweeted out last night doctor who fans you know it's a real treat for us because they've got loads um of big big you know doctor who guests this year uh so i finally bought my first one they announced matt smith at complete surprise actually this is this is this is strange because nfcc do this thing of um of saying big announcement coming this Friday, seven o'clock. And, and then sometimes when they announce this, you know, who it is, it's been a bit of a disappointment. It's kind of been like, well, who the hell's that? Hardly a big name. But <laughs> um, last night they just out of nowhere, they didn't say they're having a big announcer or anything, but they just announced Tom Baker and Matt Smith for, for LFCC. And I was just like, that's brilliant. Two massive Doctor Who. I mean, Matt Smith, I wanted him to do a convention like forever mm-hmm. i mean i just can't tell you how happy i was in fact i couldn't believe it when i was looking at my phone i was like is this real is it actually matt smith's going to be there this is fantastic because um i've met him a couple of times but never managed to get a photo with him and i'm, right. I'm so i immediately booked a photo shoot with him because i didn't want to miss out on that I, you know i think he's a great doctor and i you know as i said uh, there's something about when i've met someone and i've got their auto but i didn't get a picture it, it really bugs me i've been needing to tick <laughs> that box for like forever because mm-hmm. um, there's a famous story which i'll just tell very quickly was when i met him at hmv signing uh he signed my uh series six box set and i said oh can i get a picture and he was like yeah sure man i lent in to get it and as i went to take the picture the security guard pulled me away and said no photos and i got a picture of my hand Aww. and matt just kind of shrugged at me and went sorry dude and he quickly signed this bbc promotional thing that i dropped and, and sort of as if to say, there you go, bud. Sorry about that. And I just thought, he's, you know, what a guy. Mm-hmm. What a nice guy sort of thing. So I've been wanting to get a picture with him for like forever. So I'm very pleased about that. And, um, and yeah, and Tom Baker obviously is a great announcement because we've said for ages he never does <laughs> LFCC. He does never. all these yeah. like small conventions. Uh, most recently he did a Chiswick one and he did one in um, uh, Westminster as well mm-hmm. of the week before or whatever it was. So he's done these small conventions for quite some time. And me and you always say, like, he's so popular at these events, he would absolutely clean up at, like, LFCC. <laughs> and so finally he's doing it. And um, I, I hope he enjoys it because I think I, I've always imagined Tom there just, you know, and I, I'd imagine he's going to be really popular. So I, although I've met him a few times now and I probably won't meet him at this one, 
I'm really thrilled he's been added for for people because he's he's you know he's somebody a lot of people want to meet, isn't he, Tom? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So two great announcements last night. I thought. Awesome stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So that's been me, mate. What about you? Uh, well, obviously, yeah. Last week I was busy doing other boring life stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, otherwise, just a couple of bits really like you, just catching up with Twitch. Um, yeah. And the uh, the Fifth Doctor stuff, which is pretty cool. Um, I did make use of the, you know, um, I've been sort of umming and ahhing over the last couple of months about the Series 3 Steelbook Blu-ray. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 So I uh, made use of uh, Amazon Prime Day yesterday mm. and uh, bagged that for 18 quid. How does that work, Amazon Prime Day? Like, do you have to sign up to something or is it just a special offer? I've never quite worked out. Uh, no, no, it's just special offers that run across. It's now two, It used to be a day. I think it's two days now. Um, but they, I don't know, it's a bit funny, Amazon Prime, because on one hand, they have these big deals. On the other hand, it just feels like they're clearing out the warehouse a little bit. But <laughs> yeah, they, uh, they did have the um, a couple of Doctor Who deals on. So, um, yeah, bag the, uh, the Series 3 Steelbook, which is good. Well, that's nice because you got the first two. And it's actually, as I said, it's uh, for 18 quid. It's, a, it's about the right price. It's a good price for it. It's, it's nicer when in hand. I think you'll actually quite like it. I hope so. Yeah, yeah you will. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, like you, mate, just uh, trying to get LFCC sorted. Um, yeah, I'm really tempted by Matt Smith. It's, it's just out the blue because Showmasters, as we know, and many of you will probably know, that they normally, at times, either you know, come across as real heroes or they shoot themselves in the foot because what they'll do mm. is about four or five days out, they'll say, big announcement coming this Wednesday or Friday, whatever, don't they? And they yeah. they sort of build the hype up on Twitter. And then it's like, and this person is. And everyone's either like, yay, this is going to be awesome. Or they're <laughs> like, oh, that was what the hype was for, was it? Okay, then. Um, but as you said, mate, just literally out the blue, just on their Twitter feed, it's like, oh, and by the way, Matt Smith's going to be there. Oh, and by yeah. the way, Tom's going to be there. It's like, what? What? I, had to go <laughs> on. I just saw a random tweet last night. It said, oh, uh, thinking about booking Matt Smith for LFCC. I'm like, what? When, yeah. did, when did this happen? Because I, I was expecting, you know, somebody as big as Matt Smith to be hyped up for days on end. But no, it was a, a nice, because uh, we've complained for many a year, haven't we? Mm. The, the two doctors that always seem to do the US conventions, which is David Tennant and Matt Smith. Yes. Like, why don't they ever come over here and do, you know, because potentially they live down the road. I yeah, know that well, David Tennant lives in London these days. He does, yeah. yeah. Has done for a few years, I think. I don't know where Matt Smith lives, but um, yeah, it's always strange to us. Like, why would you? And there's many reasons for it, I suppose. Maybe it's the money. Maybe they charge more over there or whatever. Mm. I don't know, but... I'd um, go mad if they if they announced David Tennant. I'd just go crazy because he's the one I've. He's probably top of my list because Matt's top of my list for a photo. But but I've already met him. But Tennant, I've like been in the same room as him, but not got to meet him. So he he. I'd go mad if they announced Tennant. I'd absolutely love that. Yeah, it, it is. Um, he's top of the list for me as well, mate. If they announce mm. him, I think we'd all just lose our our beep over that mm. yeah but the doctors they've managed to get there this year though because you put that list up last night didn't you it's on amazing. twitter um yeah. so we've got fourth six eight nine eleven and twelve and a pseudo first doctor because david bradley's there oh and david bradley yeah, yeah so th you know in terms of the doctors they've done really well this year yeah. imagine that if they did a group shot it'd probably be about 
ten thousand pounds but yeah. you know <laughs> they but did that's have, quite uh, a lineup it's amazing yeah they did have mccoy as well but he cancelled he cancelled yeah well he's off boating around the world isn't he yeah. so, <laughs> so if they had mccoy there as well it would just be a it's amazing I, i've not been to a convention before they've had this many who stars no in the same place it's uh but yeah if lfcc i mean i imagine that matt smith was a very last minute thing mm. because they probably don't have time at the moment to start hyping things up because we're so close to the event. Yeah. So, but I imagine if it hadn't have been, if they'd have had him lined up alongside Eccleston and these other doctors, maybe a group shot might have been on the cards. It probably would have been mm. about 500 quid, but maybe it would have been there. Yeah. Yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah. yeah. But no, it's going to be cool. I'm looking forward to LFCC. I've also, um, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm in an R on who to book. I'm, I think I'm settled on at least Noel Clark and Ingrid Oliver. Oh yes, I really want to meet those two and get a pick. But I'm I am torn between Matt, mate. I will I will be honest with you. It's uh, I'm not sure. And there's a couple of Star Wars peeps I want to meet as well. Ray Parks there, and mm. um, what's his face? <laughs> Chewbacca. Have they got that blue elephant man that plays the keyboard in Return of the Jedi? Because <laughs> he always seems to be on the list when I when I scroll through, and I I, I like that elephant thing. Not that I'm going to meet him, but not this year. But I just have... like to know he's there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he is there. He is there. Yeah. 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 Simon <laughs> Williamson. Yeah, yeah. I wish yeah. he'd sit instead of being in a regular booth. I wish he'd sit in his big round keyboard <laughs> that he had in the film. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> I've um, yeah. I've very disappointingly forgotten the name of Chewbacca. What's his name? Peter, Peter Mayhew. Mayhew. There you go. Yeah. As I said, what's his name? I remembered, yeah. So I'm, I'm torn between <laughs> him and Ray. There's just loads of guests there. It's going to be a good year. They've got the it's younger cool. Chewbacca as well, haven't they? The one from Solo, and I think he did a few bits in uh, whatever the other film was. <laughs> he's been in, he's sort of been <laughs> doubling for Peter Mayhew, hasn't he? But he's he was Chewbacca all the way through Solo, I think. So he's there as well. Yes, you, Ari, could, get, you could get young Chewie and old Chewie. Ah, that's a nice, yeah. Ari mm. Deco, his name is. Yeah. Yoth, yoth. Uh, they've also got uh, Jeremy Bullock, Boba Fett. He's, he's always yes. there, isn't he? Yeah. He's always there, yeah. And uh, the new Darth Vader, Daniel Napruce. All oh, right. So, uh, Is that, that from Rogue One? Uh, yeah, Rogue. Yeah, Rogue One. Yeah. 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 So it's going to be a very full-on LFCC this year, I think. It is, and they said the other night that Saturday was. They said it would sell out by the weekend. I, I haven't checked if it has actually, but um, Saturday's going to be rammed. Yeah. Absolutely rammed, isn't it? If, if if they've sold out like they said they would. Um, that's going to be busy. I think Sunday's going to be very busy as well because uh, most of the people I know, all the Doctor Who stuff seems to be mainly happening on the Sunday. So I reckon yes. a lot of people I know are going on the Sunday. That's going to be pretty mad, yeah. Oh, there's also David Jakovny as well. I forgot about him. Oh, yeah. I want to get him as well. Do, 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 do. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, the hype is real. Ah, oh, dear. I want to believe you can afford his autograph. <laughs> 85 quid or 70 oh. for a photo. Yeah. Mm. Well, you're saying actually, just before we move off this, you're saying about Chris, weren't we? Chris Eccleston, because I'd absolutely love to get his photo, but as we know, he's like 80, well, he's 85 quid, isn't he, for a pic? Yeah. Um, which is a bit much, I thought, at the time. Um, but we were looking to see last night when I booked Matt Smith, uh, who, by the way, has sold out already. Um, I don't know if they'll add some more batches, but he's already, oh, I think he's sold out, mate. Uh, although you can get the shoot with the TARDIS, that's still the TARDIS. Yeah, tenor, get on there quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's an extra tenor. So that's still there. But I think they might add a couple more batches anyway. But um, we were saying with Chris, I think 
if he'd have just been slightly cheaper, because he's got loads of batches left. He's he's not he's he's got like twenty odd batches, isn't he? And he's on like batch nine, I think. He's he's got loads Life, left. Yeah, yeah. And I think because of the price, and um, I think if he'd have been around sixty five, like Capaldi, I think he'd have sold a hell of a lot more. I think he'd have probably might have even nearly sold out by now. But yeah, I think right. being right. that closer to sort of ninety hundred, I think he's people are, like me who would who would normally just say, ah, oh, you know. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. The, the, you know, thinking twice because it's just that little bit too high. And um, yeah, so in a way, I'm glad because I'm thinking, well, at least he's got loads of batches left if I do decide to push the boat out. But mm, it is surprising, really, for somebody like that, that, you know, a lot of people would go mad to meet when he was announced. I think the price is yeah, perhaps yeah. he's just outpriced himself a little bit. Yeah. Do you know what, mate? Just lastly, before we move on, I think they're going to have to look at a new venue at some point because the, yeah. the Olympia. Where, where is it? It's the um, it's still at the Olympia Two, is it, or just the Olympia? Olympia. The Olympia Hammersmith. Yeah. Um, although it's a cool place, it is starting to feel really, cr- especially on the days where it's sold out, mm. and the sort of logistics around getting to photo shoots and and all that stuff. Yeah. I think if they're going to start pulling in these big guests, because remember they have got some huge people there this year. Yes. You know, yeah. like David Jacovny, Jason Momoa, Megan Fox, Val Kilmer so many people if it's going to be if they're going to get these big stars in I think they're going to have to look at a bigger a bigger place it's a shame that they can't get the XL I think um, isn't the MCM convention doesn't sort of they hold the rights to have a convention there but I'll do that yeah because I've never done MCM but uh, something like that yeah Mm. but I think they have to look at somewhere slightly bigger I think so, mate, yeah. because I'll be honest with you, as tempted as I was to get Saturday, um, as soon as they said it was going to sell out last weekend, I, it immediately put me off because I was thinking, God, it was busy. It was so busy mm-hmm. last Saturday, when I, you know, last year, I mean. And I was thinking, I just don't know if I can cope with that. Um, but I think Sunday's going to be as busy, actually. It's, it's, you know, just one of those things, like you said, they've kind of outgrown that venue. So I agree with you. It'd be good if they moved, you know, to yeah. somewhere a bit bigger, yeah, yeah. And if the weather's going to be baking like it is at the minute, it's oh, going to be... Uh, yeah. yeah. Lovely. Lovely. Get those shorts on. <laughs> Get them on. Right, that's it. That's it. Shall we, uh, shall we land it and do some news? Yeah. Christmas. <laughs> Already? Lloyd Christmas. Christmas. It's a little way off, Grimbo. However, mm. uh, we have a little tip. Some people have been digging around. <laughs> this is this is amazing when people find stuff out in this way. Do you know yes. what I mean? It's yeah. so, so yeah. funny. Um, yeah, so uh, we have a, a, a tip off or an indication that we could be in for a Christmas special. After mm. all, because it was up in the air, wasn't it? There was this talk around, you know, Doctor Who doesn't have to do a Christmas special. You know, it's not a, a given. And they, yeah. could, they could stop it any time. But what's happened is uh, um, one of the editors on the show um, has added something on their online CV <laughs> uh, to say that they will be working alongside the director, Wayne Yip, um, to direct the series eleven Christmas special. 
Ah, Wayne Yip, that's in that, that name rings a bell. Wayne Yip, yeah, he directed the uh, the Empress of Mars and uh, The Lie of the Land. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. right, 10th Doctor, uh, Series 10, I mean. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, Adele McDonnell, she's an editor for film and television. Mm-hmm. And uh, yes, she put on, their, on her online CV, which is available to everybody, um, yeah, that she would be... Uh, working on the Christmas special with Wayne Yip. So, yeah, a bit of an inadvertent slip-up. I can see Chibbers bursting in the room, grabbing that CV and ripping it into shreds. What are you doing, Adele? Yeah, can I see him having an Alan Sugar moment? No spoilers. You'll never work in TV again. You're fired. Get out of my office. You're fired. Um, But in a way, that's good news. And it does kind of tie into the the timings of it as well, because on our last show a couple of weeks ago, we did talk about the, um, the upcoming Titan comic range. Mm. Uh, so the volume zero that we spoke about, which launches in September, which is like an early sort of um, primer issue, um, which starts before volume one kicks off in October, which is meant to sort of accompany the new series. Yeah. Um, and also the length of uh, of episodes that we're getting as well, because we still haven't got a confirmed start date for it from the BBC. But no. we do know that it's going to be a 10-episode series, the first one being... An, uh, an hour and a bit special and then it would be nine episodes of 50 minutes and if the timings point to October like we said with like the comics starting and some other bits and pieces we've heard then that would lead us nicely into the Christmas so if they started it in mid-October mm. that would lead us very nicely into a Crimbo special so what do you it reckon you up, for, you up for another Christmas special because uh, they haven't oh, been absolutely. amazing have they let's be honest no, that's true. They they haven't been amazing. No, it's weird, isn't it? Because even though um, they've been very hit and miss uh, for quite some time now, I I still look forward to it. I still always have a bit of hope, mm-hmm. you know, that I think, oh, you know, there's something about having the Doctor Who Christmas special on. Um, so I, I'm thrilled, mate. I really hope, uh, you know, that it seems like it's true. So, yes, I'm all for it. Um, there's, I, I don't know. It's just become a part of Christmas for me, having yeah, a Doctor yeah. Who special to look forward to. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm very pleased. And I think with Jodie as the Doctor as well, I think this is a good chance if they put it on at a decent time, mm-hmm. like a prime time, I think it's a very good way to get on new viewers as well because, you know, it's going to have a fresh feel this series. We know that. And I think people will tune in at Christmas that maybe, you know, maybe didn't even watch Series 11 but just happened to be, you know, sat on the sofa, belly full, <laughs> sherry glass. What's on the box? Who's this? You know, and and it might drag new viewers in as well. I think being on at Christmas, so yeah, all for it, mate. Good stuff. Yes, good yeah. stuff. Um, carrying on the series eleven news, actually, uh, the uh, New Zealand broadcasters TVNZ guess <laughs> have what announced that stands for uh, TV New Zealand. I'm going to guess. I mean, I'm I don't guessing. know. That's yeah. just a pure guess. <laughs> uh, they've an- <laughs> they've announced that they've uh, got the rights to show the new series in New Zealand. Uh, it seems like um, seems like they haven't shown Doctor Who for a while, by the sounds of it, because the director of content, Kate Slater. She needs standards. She said uh, <laughs> the time felt right to bring the series back to TVNZ. It sounds so. It sounds like it used to yeah. be there, and then they they let it go. Uh, uh, we can't wait to share all the action. 
adventure and humor the show is known and loved for with our viewers as well as the exciting new twists and turns that are coming their way so that's really good actually so if we've got any listeners from new zealand hello there uh you've got doctor who series 11 coming your way uh apparently they did a little 40 second teaser trailer for it as well which was um broadcast simultaneously across tvnz1 tvnz2 and duke (laughs) wherever that is presumably that's all the channels that they yeah they run so that's very cool so it's nice to see it's getting a bit promotion over in new zealand and uh it's uh, on its way over to you guys. Yes. Uh, just lastly on this one, any yeah, as Adam said, if we do have any listeners from New Zealand, um, it will go out at the same week that it does here in the UK. So you won't be too far behind. It sounds like it might be a day or two. Um, but it will be streamed via On Demand. Um, immediately. Oh, actually, yeah. So immediately after the, it broadcasts here in the UK, mm-hmm. you'll be able to get it On Demand on TVNZ, NZ, whichever you prefer over there. CLZ. Talking of that, actually, uh, am I right in saying that they're, was it announced this week that they're going to simultaneously broadcast the first episode at exactly the same time in the UK as in and America? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Is that a first? Or is it just something that's not happened for a while? Because that's quite cool, isn't it? Uh, I, I just, I don't know what, I don't know what time that means it goes out in America because they're, what, eight hours ahead, are they? They're five hours behind. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, so yeah. very timey wimey. I'm not very good with logistics yeah. yet. Well, depending on where you are in America, I think it's either five or seven or eight, something like that behind us. Oh, right. So, so it's be going lunch. to be in the morning for them, wouldn't it? Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, well, that's cool. But yeah, is that a first? They may have done it. I can't remember. No, someone will know. Let us know. Let us know. Uh, last bit of news. Uh, this is something that set Twitter ablaze. <laughs> Didn't it? In the last week. Yeah. Um, so we finally got a teaser slash trailer, if you can call it a trailer, mm. um, for Series 11. And everybody was so excited. I missed it. Uh. I missed it by about a second because I had my my sister and you know her family over. Um, and we had the World Cup on in the background. And I, you know, I did say, oh, God, I keep an eye out, a little personal note, I keep an eye out. And I saw yeah. the very last second of it, last second of the teaser. And uh, I was like, no. My wife was like, oh, oh you've no. missed it, haven't you? So I to, oh, no. It was on Sky, though, so I re-round it and, uh, and watched oh, it immediately. Right. But, um, uh, but yeah, so we finally got the teaser. And, mm. yes, opinions vary on this one. I know you and I have got uh, differing opinions on it. Mm, um, yeah, and it seems like yeah, I, I got a bit of stick on Twitter for this, um, for my uh, thoughts on it. Um, Did you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's Twitter, isn't it? Yes, you know, probably. Because Doctor Who fandom. <laughs> um, don't get me wrong, I got a lot of uh, agreement as well, but I did get a bit of yeah. stick as well. So, okay. uh, very short teaser. No lines of dialogue from anybody. Uh, mm. Plenty of pizza and chips. Um, yeah. And uh, another little slow-mo walk from the Doctor and a, li- a lovely smile, but no uh, no indication of what we're going to see. Mm. Nothing at all. So you're not happy about this, are you, mate? You wanted a bit more content in this one. Um, no, I didn't. Well, I, I, I was just a bit, I found it a bit flat because I, I actually did manage to catch this one, unlike the jaded reveal, because <laughs> we were at home doing fantastic DIY jobs on Sunday. So I was like, right, my treat for doing all this rubbish is to is to actually sit in front of the TV a quarter to five and watch the, the new teaser trailer, whatever. So, yeah, we did. Um, we, we, you know, 
sat down, we listened to a load of waffle of football talk, and I kept thinking, it's coming, it's coming. Gary Lineker did his who's there Doctor Who joke, <laughs> and then it went into it. And um, and basically, so, you know, I'm sure people have seen it by now, but basically it just gives you a snapshot of our new TARDIS team, doesn't mm. it? So, you know, one of them sat in a calf looking at his phone, another's ordering a pizza, another one's watching TV in a chip shop or something um and then the you know jd walks towards the the camera and and that's it um and yeah i've got to be honest um me and my partner sat there and watched it <laughs> and then it finished and we both just looked at each other and went is that it and <laughs> and i've just got to clarify something here i wasn't expecting or wanting any clips from the show or spoilers or anything like that it's not what i wanted the reason i was just very underwhelmed by it is because it just did nothing for me at all uh, it just right. didn't have any grip or because you know normally if you see a clip or a teaser like that i immediately want to watch it again i'm like oh wow you know i want to go back and watch it it just it did nothing for us at all we just sat right, there and went right. it seemed like an advert for eastenders it was just like well what was that it, mm-hmm. yeah so that's my feelings it's nothing to do with the fact it didn't you know have loads of sort of clips mm-hmm. or, or or anything like it's just it didn't have any hook or grab for me whatsoever it was just literally yeah I, I just found it bland but i will say this i'm gonna say positive stuff as well because i did think it looked beautiful you know i went you know i've gone back and rewatched it this morning actually because this is the other thing as i said normally with a teaser i just want to keep watching it because i'm excited this i just haven't had any inclination to go back and watch this at all really right, right. Uh, which it, which tells me something i just think well there's obviously there's just nothing there pulling me in it's and i just think like if you were a sort of casual viewer there was nothing in that teaser to make you sit up and go whoa what's that and you know and you can do a lot in 20 seconds it doesn't have to be spoilery or anything but you could you could have something in there to make somebody sit up and go whoa what's this then but it was just a very gentle teaser wasn't it um and i just felt like it 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 just didn't as i said it just didn't do anything for me nothing wrong with it but as a sort of first teaser it it built up no excitement it didn't give me anything to get my teeth into whatsoever um so that was my feelings on it i didn't you know go off on one on twitter like (laughs) like some fans i know some fans were going mad um you know so in a slight defense of those fans one of the BBC Twitter accounts did advertise it as a trailer, as a trailer, yes, and they used yeah. it. And I tried to find it because I was going to screenshot it because a lot of people were getting it in the neck. We we were never told it was a trailer. I was like, well, actually, we were. I think it was BBC One, and they may have deleted it because I couldn't find it. But anyway, either way, um, nothing wrong with the teaser in terms of the way it looked and and whatever. But just personally for me, mate, it just it did nothing to build any, any excitement. In fact, if anything, it sort of deflated me a little bit um, because I just sort of thought, oh, it, yeah, it just had no impact for me personally. But yeah, so that's my thoughts on it. Nothing, as I said, it's nothing wrong with it. It looked nice and all that, but yeah, yeah. just a bit. Yeah, I was just like, is that it? Yeah. But what did you think anyway? What did you, did it grab you? Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest with you, my, the words that came out of my mouth as soon as it finished was exactly mm. the same as yours. I turned to my what wife and said, oh, is that it? <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I thought, wow, that's, that's very short. Mm. But I had it in my, I think, it, do you know what? I think it was down to two things. I think it was people's expectations and also a bit of wording mishap from the BBC. Yeah. So I've got a screenshot of that tweet from the BBC. Oh, you have? So I didn't yeah. imagine it. Good. Yeah, I've got it right here in front of me. So the screenshot from the BBC One. Not, it's not, not the BBC Doctor Who account. Mm. 
but for the channel, the BBC One channel Twitter account, and it says, uh, the World Cup may not be coming home, but the TARDIS is on its way, blah, blah, blah. And it says, the universe is calling. Now, this is where it gets confusing, because it says, the universe is calling in this teaser with the official trailer to be released on Sunday. Right. Okay. So it says, you know, the first part is the teaser, because they did release a little teaser, and it's basically just the, the 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 logo with a lot more sort of fire effect on it and stuff. Oh, that's Do you right. remember that yeah, one? They yeah, put yeah that's nice, yeah. And then it said the official trailer to be released on Sunday. So they did kind of say, their wording suggests that the, the little ident that they put out with the fire logo in the circle, that was the teaser, and we were getting a proper trailer on Sunday, mm. which turned out to obviously be not the case. It seems like we've got a teaser and then teaser 2.0, you know, on on the Sunday. So my thoughts on it are thus. Uh, And I've got two feelings on it. The first one is, you know, people's expectations were maybe a little bit high. Not their fault, though, because they Mm. were told we were getting a trailer. Um, But you and I have been fans of sci-fi in general for many years. And sometimes it's... It goes against your sort of experience if you go into everything with like, oh my God, this is going to be amazing. If you do that, you're just setting yourself up for, you know, a bit of a fall. Not Mm. fool, fall. Mm. Um, So, and and I feel like in a way it's just, I mean, fans that were taking it in a way of, oh, I'm disappointed about that. That's fine. Mm. You know, if you're disappointed by it because you wanted to see more or you just felt like yourself, you just felt it was a bit flat and didn't, wasn't really engaging, then that's absolutely fine. The problem that I had is fans who were said who were saying things like, oh my God, everybody at the BBC should be shot in front of their families for putting out such a disgrace. Mm. You know, the people at the BBC, you know, what the hell are they doing? When you get really crappy with it and you start getting really offensive and stuff over it, and this is where... Some listeners will be like, Gary, what are you doing? But, Mm. you know, at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, it's a TV show. And yes, it means a lot to us, obviously. You know, Mm. it's a big part of our lives. But at the end of the day, it's a TV show. You know, just calm down. Yeah. You know, let's just, you know, we've been down this road a few times, but, Mm. you know, Star Wars has been through it, you know. Yeah. People throwing toys out of the pram. I mean, that's the thing. I'll openly admit I was probably expecting too much myself i think i I was so hyped for seeing our first teaser on sunday i I was very excited about it so i guess in a way it was almost inevitable that i was disappointed Mm -hmm. by what we got um i suppose the other thing that i would remind myself is that actually we're still a few months away from a tv show and a few people have said this and i obviously at the time i didn't think this because i was still like oh god is that it and yeah i was in that mode but now i've had time to simmer down and think about it you know it's been pointed out that what other show gets a teaser trailer this far in advance so in a way you know i've got to backtrack a little bit and just be grateful actually that we got this teaser because yeah it's that's very true we're still months away from it actually airing so just to even get this i suppose is a good thing and you know obviously i didn't think that at the time because i'm not thinking along those lines Mm -hmm. but you know backtracking a little bit and just putting everything into perspective and and the other thing of course is that um lf uh no not lfcc uh what's it called s san diego san diego yeah comic con is uh is this week in fact by the time this podcast go out i assume 
we may well have been hit with a load more stuff because yeah, our yeah. TARDIS team are there and there's going to be some exclusives. So by the time this podcast airs on Friday, there's probably been a whole load of new stuff released as well. So got to take that into account. Obviously, they're saving a lot of stuff for that as well. So yeah, you know, as I said, initially, it just felt very flat for me. But putting things into perspective a little bit now, uh, I can sort of see that, it, you know, kind of it was yeah. there just as an introduction, really, just to sort of uh you know pricked people's curiosity yes. if you like oh, yeah. what's this so yeah you know <laughs> in perspective not not too bad yeah. yeah yeah so that's um i mean the yeah so we've spoken about the teaser itself it's very flat um mm. opinions aside you know i i do feel like it it's done its job though mm. i do feel like and the phrase that i use for it is it's dangled the carrot enough mm. if that makes sense so uh, it, even if you didn't like it or if you did like it Regardless of that, it's done its job because it's got the world talking about it. Yeah, so, true. Yeah. You know. yeah, in one way or another, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So whether that's that was planned or not, I'm not sure. Maybe if that's the BBC strategy, I've no idea. But you hit the nail on the head, mate. We're still months away yeah. from it. And it's a bit of a treat as well because if you think about all of, even if like huge, big Hollywood blockbusters that are coming out, you don't see trailers for those like months and months away. Mm. You know, you see them, you know, a little bit closer to... I mean, when did we get a trailer for Series 10? I can't even... You know, it's not. it wasn't a big hyped-up event that I can remember. No, in fact, which series was it? Was it Series 9 where they didn't have any Nothing trailers all, or indents? Yeah. So they, they were using the previous years, weren't they, of Capaldi yeah. throwing cards toward the console. So, yeah, I know. It's, 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 yeah, it's good we got something. Yeah. I mean, the biggest question of the whole thing, of course, is... What the hell was on top of that pizza? <laughs> it looked really weird. <laughs> oh, it looked like one of those uh, fancy schmancy pizzas with olives and yeah, all sorts bit, of... Yeah. It's a bit odd. Gallifrey and olives, I think. Gallif- <laughs> <laughs> um, but we got to see, you know, another big smile from Joe. She's got a cracking smile. She is. And it looked good. I mean, visually and the, and the colours and everything in the, in the, in the teaser were, you know, it looks visually amazing. It gives, it gives us a nice sort of little tease of what the series might look like in terms of its style, I guess, uh, yeah. as well. So oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Cause they upgraded all the cameras, didn't they? And everything for this mm. one. And yeah. Mm. Yeah. Nice. So if you, if you, uh, didn't like the teaser or you liked it, whatever, at least we're all talking about who, which is, which is good, but it's just keeping it civil, mm-hmm. you know, because Star Wars is going through exactly the same thing with The Last I Jedi. Know. Yeah, it's yeah. awful. So, yeah, just got to stay cool and not be beeps mm. to each other. Mm. And it's also, it's really ramping up as well. As you said, we're still a few months away. Mm-hmm. Series 11's really ramped up in the last couple of weeks. You think about two, maybe three podcasts back, we were saying about, you know, tumbleweed rolling through the TARDIS newsroom. And now it's really like, it's really kicking into gear and we're still a few months away. So it is exciting times. It is. Yeah. yeah. And hopefully we'll get a trailer out of um, San Diego Comic-Con I this weekend. I think so. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah. Anyways, now that we've landed the TARDIS and done some news, should we get all grumpy in? Oh yeah, get him in. Match corner. Match corner. Match corner. I don't know whether to be impressed or disgusted. It's a bit rubbish, but it's pretty. It's very pretty. Those guys over at Candy Jar. They can't still be working. Yeah. So hard, yeah. Knocking out another Brigadier book. Another Brig book. Yeah. What's Crikey. this one? Then? So this one isn't a 
um, uh, a, a fiction title that we've seen um, in the all the ranges that they've done so far. This is a non-fiction instalment, and it's the it's just titled "The Brigadier: Fifty Years of Lethbridge Stewart." Ah, oh, cool. And this is up for pre-order at the moment over at Candy Jar. So if you go over to the Candy Jar store, which is slightly different, if you just go to the Candy Jar website, if you just do a search for Candy Jar books, you'll see a little ad for it on there. Or if you want to go to their store, which is freewebstore.org forward slash candy hyphen jar hyphen store, you'll see it on there. It is up for £8.99. And a little bit of spiel on this one. And... uh, so they acquired the rights to the brig back in 2014 and they've put out a load of really good books. Um, they've essentially taken um, uh, some of the storylines that we saw in the show back in sort of Troughton's era and some other eras and they fleshed out additional stories around those and, and around the brig to, um, mm-hmm. to sort of bring his character uh, really in a lot of detail in some of those books. And they've done that for a few years now, since 2014. Um, and I think they've published, it, it, yeah, it says over 20 books, 20 fiction yep. stories. Mm. Um, and they've got more titles uh, being worked on at the moment. Um, but given the enthusiastic response from fans all over the world, um, it's fair to say um, that the series has met a long, unfulfilled demand. So hence the 50th anniversary book. And it says, The Brig is one of Doctor Who's uh, so this is Sean Russell, who's head of publishing at Candy Jar. He says, this, uh, The Brig is one of Doctor Who's most beloved characters, yet over the years he became increasingly increasingly sidelined in the Doctor Who universe. Mm-hmm. We thought the character had a lot of untapped potential, so we took a punt and started exploring his origins with the aim of telling the story of what he was up to in the years between the introduction in The Web of Fear and the formation of units in The Invasion. From the feedback we received from the fans, it seems this was a story they were waiting to be told. Uh, and then our good friend, Mr. Al, Mr. Andy, Andy Frankamallon, goes on to say, uh, fan speculation, theories and fiction is what kept Doctor Who alive in the 16 years that it was off television. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the engagement of the fans still makes the series, uh, the series special. Uh, Doctor Who isn't just a show, it's a community and it's a community that loves nothing more than to explore the Doctor Universe together. Mm. Um, uh, we take our roles as the custodians of the Brigadier seriously. That's why our stories reveal the continuity of the show. But we thought there was one st- uh, one thing missing from our range, and that was exploring just who the Brigadier is. It uh, goes on to say, uh, we thought a book that collected his continuity in one place, that explored his motivations, his effect on the universe, and his relationship with other pivotal figures was something that the fans would love. This has never been done, and it's long overdue, but we couldn't just explore our own range. We had to look at the character as a whole. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like a real in-depth book, at, not because, uh, like I said, some of the other books are around stories around the timeline of uh, what I just mentioned, and uh, it goes off on a tangent in a lot of places that reveals um, supporting characters to the Brig, because the Brig is the star of the show. So it looks at monsters and characters all around his uh timeline and his stories but this book is solely on the brig no mm. other well, i assume they'll mention other monsters and other characters but um yeah a story solely about the brig 
Yeah, and I mean the Brigadier is such a good good character anyway. It's nice to have a sort of a, a celebration of fifty years of him. I think. Um, yeah. Also, I'm quite intrigued because there's um, uh, amongst all the other stuff in this book, there's an interview with John Levine as well, who's talking about <laughs> his experiences of shooting what he calls uh, the Doctor Who's golden era. So that'd be pretty cool as well. That's an exclusive interview with John Levine. So he's always an interesting chap in one way or another, another isn't he, Mister yes. Levine? Yes. So that does sound good. Yeah, eight ninety nine as well. Not a bad price. Not a bad price at all. Yeah. Right, going back to our new Doctor, um, there's been a load of uh, uh, 13th Doctor figures suddenly announced. That, again, a bit like the Matt Smith announcement, just suddenly came out of nowhere, all together, all at once. <laughs> um, uh, so um, there's a new Titan figure of the 13th Doctor, which is an SDCC exclusive. So these... You know, they do them for the Comic Con, and then as soon as the Comic Con's over, um, they, you know, become readily available. So there's a Titan figure. Is it a large one? Yeah, 6.5, I assume. It's one of the bigger ones, isn't it? It's not one of the tiny yet. So, yeah. Um, We've got a Funko Pop figure of the 13th Doctor. We've got a 10-inch. Are we calling it a doll? Is that the official? Mm. Because I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be incorrect at this stage. I mean, it's a figure. Let's call it a, a figure, figure then. 10-inch okay. figure, um, a bit like a sort of what you might class as an action man figure of the 13th Doctor. Uh, we've got something which I haven't heard of, but apparently is really popular. Um, so this is obviously passed me by, but a rock candy oh, yeah. version of the 30th Doctor. So I don't know, that's that didn't mean anything to me, but it, yeah, we've got that. And then uh, if you want to dress up as the 13th Doctor, um, they're also doing uh, the 13th Doctor coat, which is interesting because someone else pointed this out, that <laughs> the Doctor's coat seems to change colour on every single figure and in all the promotions. <laughs> but no one seems to quite know what colour her coat is. It sort of goes from sort of light blue to beige to maybe she's got a couple of coats. We don't know, but yeah, um, yeah. but they're all different. So <laughs> so an abundance of 13th Doctor merchandise announced. Um, I'll just quickly tell you the ones I like because <laughs> uh, I think my list will be longer than Gary's. It should um, also include um, the plush Oh, that's the yes. next story. We might as well include it in this as well. There's okay, a, yeah, yeah, the plushy uh, thingy, wow. you know, the little teddy bear things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I'll come on to that. Uh, the, <laughs> so I'm liking the Funko Pop. Um, absolutely loving the Funko Pop. Actually, yeah, I think yeah. that really suits the Thirteenth Doctor. Um, that one. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, an exclusive, but of course it will become available. But I don't know if that's going to be a variant. I've got a feeling perhaps the regular version I'll have a Sonic or something because I'm trying to work out what's going to be different about that from the from the regular yeah. version because that looks perfect to me. It's just the Doctor in their outfit and it, it looks great. The Rock Candy, I'm not too sure about. As I said, I think that's a bit of a thing. People are going mad over the 10-inch figure. Um, I, it doesn't do anything for me, I'm afraid. I don't know why, but I'm just not... Yeah, that's not grabbing me. I do love the Titan. I know you <laughs> will probably differ on this. It Facially, I'm not sure, but I love Titan figures, um, so I'm glad they've done a Titan of it. And they've done a kawaii version of it, which I've got to say, I love it. I love that kawaii Titan. So... Those are for me. If they do the coat in a triple XL size, I might get one. <laughs> but um, I don't know how much that is, actually. They're normally quite expensive, aren't they, the official? Yeah. 
coach. So I don't know what the prices are those. In fact, I'm not sure we've even got prices of a lot of these yet because, um, as I said, at the moment, a lot of them are exclusives to the Comic Con's over. So, yeah, great to see some 13th Doctor merch coming along, though. I'm, I'm liking it a lot. Um, I have got to say, though, this thing you just mentioned, this, this plush, <laughs> is dreadful on every single <laughs> level, uh, especially the merchandise, especially the packaging, because... One of the things we were saying is, you know, when they rebrand it, let's hope they get, you know, do something about the packaging to make it look good. And uh, if this is an indication of the new packaging, I'm not liking it, mate. Uh, it looks really cheap. It's just blue with the new logo. And uh, to me, it looks awful, actually. Uh, and the plush is awful as well. Um, bizarrely, it comes with a fantastic TARDIS coaster, though. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty I'd, cool. I'd, I'd buy it just for the coaster. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, no, the plush and the packaging on that, I, personally, I think looks looks dreadful. But um, but I'm liking a lot of the other merch, especially the pop. I think that looks brilliant. So any of this grabbing you, mate? Any of this going to end up on your little shelf? Uh, one of them will. Oh, it's going to be the pop, isn't it? The Funko pop. Yeah. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, it's, it's the best, I think. Yeah, it looks really cool. The um the other um, figure from Funko, the Rock Candy version, it looks a bit. She looks like a teenage girl in that one. Just, like, what is Rock Candy? I don't. It, it's it's made by um, Pop as well. Uh, sorry, okay. Funko, Funko Funko as well. Um, it's just like a variant. It's still like a vinyl toy, but it's a more. Are they big or small or what? Um, they're bigger than the pops, but I don't know how. All oh, right. Yeah. I don't know exactly how big they are. Okay. Um, yeah, the, the the standard Titan looks like a man. The um, <laughs> it does have a, it's, it's, it's got a, yeah. The Kawhi Titan, yeah, I'm not into the whole. No, you're not. That, yeah. Um, obviously, the coat, yeah, I'm not going to cosplay as the. I've I've struggled to get a cosplay uni, uniform together, and I'm torn between um, Captain Jack and the Fifth Doctor at the minute, and I can't even get that sorted out. So I'm definitely not going to cosplay as a as the Thirteenth Doctor. Um, incidentally, if you do want that coat, um, and you're at San Diego Comic Con, you'll need to go to booth one three two one, which is the uh, the company that are, are selling the coat is Her Universe which is a very popular online website for ladies cosplay and other geek fashion. Um, so their booth is 1321 if you want, if you want the Does coat. it have a price? Does it have a price? No, not yet. Oh, okay. No. Um, and the other ones, yeah, I'm not fussed about the figure and I'm not fussed about the uh, anything else. But and, and the plushie is obviously ridiculous. I mean, I might buy it for the coaster like you. but <laughs> The coaster's great, isn't it? Yeah. But um, that, yeah, that that's plush is dreadful. Yes. And also if you are attending, any of our listeners attending... Uh, SDCC, the BB Shop booth. Um, I'm not sure how the layout works in terms of numbers, but their booth is 4,129. So if you want any of this stuff, mm. you need to go to the BBC Shop booth at 4129. And also, if you're attending Comic Con, then the BBC panel, which has got Jody and uh, Chibbers and all the rest of it, that is at quarter to lunchtime on Thursday. So two timey wimey that because it was yesterday. If you're listening to this on on launch day on Friday, what uh, say again? Uh, what time is that? So it, it's re- it's redundant our now time because um yeah uh, our time. Let's have a look. So only because I might have the house to myself tomorrow, <laughs> and I'm going to make sure I'm there in front of the computer. Yeah, this is very timey wimey because anyone that's listening to this on Friday, it'll all be over. It'll all be over. <laughs> but it's on Thursday the nineteenth. It's eleven forty five. Pacific time, right. uh, and that equates to um, 
roughly, what are we, GMT? Yeah. Uh, whatever it is. Uh, that'll be quarter to seven in the evening, UK time. Right. Yes. Okay. So, yeah, you guys would have hopefully seen it by now. <laughs> uh, but that's the dealio with uh, all the San Diego official merch and all that stuff. Moving on, um, we have some interesting releases yeah. for our US fans and listeners over in the Region 1 area. So the first one is Twice Upon a Time, uh, the most recent um, uh, Crimbos. Was it? It was the Christmas special, wasn't it? It was, Last yeah. Year. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Twice Upon a Time is getting a 4K Ultra HD release over on Region 1 in the US. And I think uh, one of the... Um, a few people have, have asked the BBC um, if this is getting a UK release. And the BBC has said, yes, we are planning to release this. Ooh. But we're not telling you when, so they don't know. So I have no idea when this is coming to us, but it's the very first step for Doctor Who going into 4K land. And, uh, yes. So anyone that owns a 4K TV or a, and a, a 4K Blu-ray player, whatever, will be able to enjoy this. The actual disc itself, the actual episode 4K disc will be region free because 4K discs don't have a region. But I assume if there's any special features in the package, which will be on Blu-ray or DVD, they will be locked to region one that's interesting to know because I, d- I didn't know that so this is a strange one isn't it why would this be upscaled to 4k because the well, only thing that's even tempting about this is the fact and this is probably just a complete no-no but the the running time on it is really strange so people are wondering if it's like an extended version or something because you know as we know they filmed a lot of stuff with the cybermen at the start you know reenacting the 10th planet which was never used and uh, and it wasn't even included as in the special features. So we're wondering if this is like an extended version or something. I don't think it will be personally. I think um, they'll just upscale it and and bung it on a 4K uh, disc. But yeah, I don't know. It wasn't filmed in 4K or anything, was it? So I don't believe so. I don't think so. But it depends yeah. on what it was filmed on. Yeah, that's what I mean. So yeah. Yeah. So, so if it was filmed on on film, then it could be it could be rescanned in at 4K very easily, right? Uh, and 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 that sort of thing. But if it was filmed digitally at a certain resolution, so if it was filmed in 2K, which most things are these days for TV and stuff, if it's not specifically being filmed in 4K, then it would be just an upscale. That's why I'm thinking it is. Yeah. So we'll have to get some more details on it, but it is they're sort of dipping their toe in the water with with 4K. So let's have, have you a, got a 4K TV? I have. You have? Yes. So I will, but I'll need to get some more details on it first and wait for the official confirmation of a a UK release. I certainly won't order it as an import if it's just an upscale. No. Because my TV and my um, player already do a decent job of upscaling Blu-rays. So there won't be any advantage to that, but we'll see. Mm. We'll see. They're a funny old beast, the BBC, aren't they? I mean, they, yeah. you know, they they put out classics like An Adventure in Space and Time that was, that was filmed in HD on DVD only. And don't <laughs> give it a Blu-ray release, and then they go and bang out stuff like this on 4K. And I don't know who makes these decisions, but anyway, there it is. Okay, <laughs> Talking of, um, sorry, sorry, mate. Um, there's also um, uh, the date, which is 
uh, the end of September, if you are going to order it from, you can order it from Amazon.com as an import um, mm. on the 25th of September. So not too long, but yeah, don't know. All right, we'll we'll await the reviews of that one then. Um, and lastly, in the uh, merch section, um, talking of re-releases, the, the the first sort of few years of Doctor Who are being re-released on DVD <laughs> in the US, so Region One, um, with some new covers. Now they've bunged together uh, Chris Eccleston's first series with all of David Tennant's, and then you can get the whole Matt Smith era. And then the whole Capaldi era. Is that right? That's how they've Correct. done it, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. So, and the covers on these, they kind of all link up, if you like. So they've sort of got all the, you know, corresponding doctors on the front of each box set. Mm-hmm. And then you put the three covers together and it all makes one nice long picture. Um, um, yeah, I guess it's just part of the whole, you know, fresh start of Doctor Who and anybody who hasn't already seen you know, these stories might want to get them as complete sets. So I get why they're doing it. Um, but just a quick word on the on the packaging, the mm-hmm. artwork. When I initially saw it at first, I thought, oh, that looks nice. And then, I don't know, the more you look at it, the more it falls apart. Because there's these all annoying little things like the wrong TARDIS for Matt Smith's cover. And, yeah. and I think they've put it on the Capaldi one as well, actually, looking at it. So I don't know. I don't think you're not a fan of these this artwork, are you? Not at all. No, I think this looks no. dreadful. No, but, it's um, an odd one. But more more so than that, I just don't see the point in releasing these no. other than just making money. Because there ha- can't be anybody that hasn't got them or hasn't seen them. I mean, they're yeah. Well, this is this is it. I mean, how many years has the... I mean, these aren't even Blu-rays. These are just standard DVDs, right? Yeah, yeah that's right, yeah. So yeah. how many years has the DVD box set been out since... Well, you see, so they released each box set, you know, shortly after the series had finished mm. for each uh, individual series. And then they did the big Blu-ray box set, which you did a review on on your channel, didn't you, a couple of years ago? Yeah, yeah. So you got that. And then they re-released them again as individual blu-ray series with like yeah. different covers didn't they and then and they, then steel books and then the steel books um but also each dvd um uh release for each individual series has got multiple releases as well because you um just as an example you've got chris eccleston series which had a really cool i remember picking up the really cool um, oh, slip case with the oh, blue no. TARDIS box, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then they did the other one, which didn't have the, star- the TARDIS box, just a standard DVD package. Um, but then you've also got things like the Matt Smith series. There was one they did with was standard series five. Then they did a special one with the silence on the front. And then they did another one. So there are so many like different variations of the DVD box sets that you can already buy. They're not sold out. You know, you might be able you not you might be able to struggle to get the special ones that I've just mentioned, like the special TARDIS box records and stuff like that. But mm. you know, just the standard DVD box set uh, box sets, you can pick them up all over the place. So, and this is the thing with repackaging things and you know, double dipping or triple dipping, whatever you want to call it. Mm. Unless you're going to throw in something that's not been seen on the previous box sets before. What's the point of re-releasing them? Because all you're doing is... I can understand with the steelbooks because, 
you know, that there's a collector's market for steelbooks. Yeah, books. definitely, because I love the steelbooks, yeah. Exactly, yeah. So you've got collectors on Blu-rays who really like the the for, you know the case in for formats and, you know, that's mm. a collector's market. Whereas standard DVDs, if all you're going to do is just slap on some artwork, some new artwork and say, right, here you go, we've, re, you know, and, and the new logo, of course, that's the only thing that differentiates it this, from the other ones. I, I think this is the point of it. I, I reckon this is why they've done it. I think it's just part of the rebranding. You know, they're probably deleting or, you know, discontinuing all the other sets and so that everything's uniform because, it's like you said, it's got the new logo. It kind of fits in with the, you know, I, I think that's what it's all about. It's just about re, rebranding yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, that's all it is, isn't it? Like, I think you've, you've, you nailed it there. It's a mm. rebranding exercise, but yeah, I don't know. I mean... But you don't like the artwork at oh, all. Cause that, I, I kind of like it. I just, I wish the the thing like the the wrong TARDIS and stuff. That stuff like that really niggles me. That's a deal I know breaker. it does a lot of fans. Yeah, it's a deal breaker. Yeah. But um, but I, I don't know. I, when you put the three covers together, like at the bottom, I think it looks okay. No, but, I don't. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. I I think it looks. To me, the art direction doesn't fit with these particular series. They because they've grouped them all together to do this really wide wide image when you group them all together mm. they've kind of gone down this very sort of electric neon 80s guardians of the galaxy kind of <laughs> you know yeah. feel to it and that doesn't really suit that to me and i've got other issues as well so the first one is uh, the wrong tardis for matt smith yeah and potentially capaldi so that's a deal breaker the second of all why doesn't chris eccleson get his own series yeah, that is strange because it's not like David Tennant's series really short <laughs> and like, oh, we need to just bump up his series, is it? You know, because he's got the specials as well and all that. So, yeah, that is odd. It is yeah. odd. But then yeah. maybe maybe it's because Chris's is so short. I don't know. Is it? Yeah, it's yeah. a strange choice. And also, why is it, why is the why only one companion featured with each doctor? Because if you're a fan of Matt Smith, Amy might not be your favorite companion. Mm. Same with Tennant. Rose might not be your fave. Yeah. And certainly for Capaldi, you know, with uh, the thoughts. Clara. And, you know, why would you? So <laughs> the, the whole thing to me just sniffs of, let's put this together as cheaply as we can. And that's evident by putting Eccleston in with Tennant. Um, let's just put it as cheaply together as we can, rush it out the door, which is also evident because they've put the wrong thing on it, the wrong TARDIS. And uh, we'll hope just everyone buys it because it's got the new logo on it. Yeah, or, and also it's know. DVD. It's not even Blu-ray, is it? So, because that's the thing, you know, move with the times. Uh, you know, yeah. most people have got a Blu-ray by now. Yeah, Do you know I what, won't mate? be getting them. It's Region One anyway, mate. It's, it's region. region One. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I I would imagine that if you bought this and you thought, all right, cool, this is really nice artwork, and you already say, for example, if you bought um, uh, the box sets for Eccleston through to Tennant. And you bought this, and you opened it. I would. I'm 99 sure the discs inside would be identical to the discs in the other box sets. Do you reckon? I'm 99 yeah, percent sure because mm. they haven't announced any other special features or anything. It's exactly the same. Oh no, they won't. They won't do else. anything new. No, no, no. Naughty, naughty BBC America. <laughs> yeah, the cash cows churning milk out <laughs> through the udders of doom. <laughs> oh dear anyway there they are anyway if our if our region one listeners want them uh they'll be out soon <laughs> i don't know when they're out actually um so a quick look 
October. Oh, October. See, what a coincidence. October oh, again. Yeah, Blimey, they're not even cheap. <laughs> I, I was going to say, they'll at least they'll probably be budget because, you know, they've been reissued so many times. Surely I was expecting these to be. So they're currently $45 for series one and well, for basically Equiston and Tenant's joint collection. Wowzers. Yeah, that equates anyway, they, to about 30 quid, 35 quid for a DVD box set. Uh, of, of yeah. stuff that's yeah yeah okay let's move on let's move <laughs> quickly on. that's yeah. it though that's that's news that's and it. merch that's it uh out of the park knocked it yeah. right review time what we got toby <laughs> toby <laughs> <laughs> i wish i could get my voice as deep as that uh so yeah well yeah it's the conclusion isn't it so we you know we reviewed the impossible planet part one of this two-parter uh, a few weeks ago now we're concluding with the Satan Pit. <laughs> the valiant child who will die in battle so very soon. Doctor, can you hear me? Doctor, are you there? Daddy, turn right. It's the youth. They've gone mad. That thing is playing on very basic fears. You will die, and I will live. He's gone. Gabriel Wolfe. Yeah, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant, isn't he? Sutek, the voice of Sutek. Doing the job. Yeah, the voice I the love beast. that, actually. I do love that voice. <laughs> He's perfect, isn't he, for that real sort of outer, otherworldly, sort of demonic being. Yeah. He's got it. He's definitely got it. Right, the Satan Pit. We what's did it this, about? Uh, <laughs> what's it about? Did this uh, a few weeks ago, the first part, uh, its conclusion. This was out on the 10th of June, 2006. As part of series two, it was written by Matt Jones, directed by James Strong, and uh, obviously stars David Tennant and Billy Piper, uh, with a fairly decent supporting cast. Hmm. And the Ood. I love an Ood. <laughs> well, yeah, gotta love an Ood. We do love an Ood, don't we? we Has do. there ever been an Ood Funko Pop? No. What's going don't on? I think they're ha- actually that's crying out for a Funko, isn't it? Come on. Now, hang on. No, I don't think there has, has there been one. Has there been one? Fun- no, no, because we always worry when we say no, there definitely hasn't. And then somebody <laughs> says, yes, there is. <laughs> no, I don't think there has, mate, but that's that's crying out for a Funko. Funko pop. Ood. The no, ood. there hasn't. No, no, come on, Funko. I've just thought of that as we've spoken about the Ood. Yeah, giving us a Blimmin' River song one, of course, but no Ood. This is unacceptable. Yeah, that would be a great Funko Pop, that would be. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, They did the silence one, didn't oh, they? they? Did, that, was, yeah. that, was, that was quite, that worked well. That yeah. was all right. Mm. Anyways. <laughs> the Satan Pit picks up where we left off from yeah. the Impossible Planet with the Doctor and Ida uh, have gone down to the, the, uh, the big uh, chambery thing. And they're sat outside the entrance to the um, the sort of chasm that goes down to where the beast is located. And up topside at the uh, very poorly CG rendered uh, planet base, 
the uh, the Ood have gone mental. So the um, the kind of uh, spirit, if you like, of the beast has invaded the Ood's mind and has turned them sort of rabid and they're after the crew. So they're trying to escape the Ood and not kill them, but, you know, sort of shut them down, reduce the threat. They're locked in, you know, tunnels. It's a lot of tunnels and crawling through. It's very alien-esque. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, the whole time, so in this episode, you're, my feeling was that sort of Rose takes a sort of lead role yeah. while the Doctor is off doing his very deep conversational uh, thing with Ida. Mm. Um, so this story really branches off. It really does become a story of two parts in a way because you have the Doctor and Ida who are down investigating what's going on down at the, the centre of the planet, I think it is, 10 miles down, um, having very deep conversations about um, sort of belief systems and scientific uh, morale and all that stuff. And then mm. up top side, it's all kicking off, going nuts. Rose is sort of rallying the troops together, getting it sorted out. And then it all sort of climatizes with, you know, their escape plan. They're trying to get away. The rocket, you know, seems to be getting away, but um, the Doctor, um, in a weird way, sort of defeats the beast, if you like, finds his TARDIS, rescues them, um, takes them away from the black hole, and there we go. Mm. <sighs> the Satan Pit, mate. You enjoyed the first one. What did we give the first one? A 7.5, we I did, think. Both of us, yeah, 7.5. Yeah, I enjoyed the first part. What do you reckon to this one, then? Um, yeah, I enjoyed this as well, actually. I thought it was a, a good a good conclusion. Um, bizarrely, because I, I like the fact, like you just said, we've got sort of two halves, really. We've got all the stuff kicking up, kicking off on the station, you know, and it's all action, 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 running around, shooting, shouting. And then you've got the very quiet contemplation of the Doctor and, and Ida, you know. So I, I really like the contrast of the episode where we flick from that to, the you know, the, the Doctor and Ida. Um, so overall, I thought it was good. It's a little bit, too much sort of running around it, so it did feel slightly padded um uh, sort of in the middle you know right. uh, but 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 overall i thought it was good um if i had a minor criticism about it it would probably be that it it does get up get wrapped up very quickly and a bit too conveniently uh you know but you know at, at the end of the day you've got to wrap a story up so um yeah but overall i thought it was a decent conclusion actually i think i could quite happily watch the two episodes together back to back and and not be bored i thought i thought it had a quite a good stuff going on in it um and yeah yeah i, I enjoyed it mate i thought it was good cool mm. cool uh, i also thought it was very good yeah yeah um as usual you and i are on the same page with things i thought it was a little bit dry in the middle yeah yeah i thought the middle sort of uh it felt a bit drawn out for what was actually happening you know, it did. It felt a little bit like they were doing sort of retreading stuff, going through the same stuff a bit. Yeah. Yes. Um, however, I thought that the scenes, it's really nice when you see the doctor taken out of the, uh, sort of the, what's going on in, in the bulk of the story, mm-hmm. you know, because he's, he's kind of got half an ear on, on what's going on up, you know, up on the surface while the communications are up anyway. You know, he's trying to keep them sort of settled and, trying to keep them calm um because there's that scene where the beast is talking through the 
the comm system and yeah you know it sort of freaks them all out and it's the doctor's job you know because rose is freaked out as well because she's been told she's going to die pretty soon yeah um, so they're all freaking out and it's the doctor's job to sort of keep them all together and uh yeah and then he's kind of got half an ear on what's going on but he's really really into having this conversation with ida isn't it because she seems mm. to be on the same wavelength as the doctor and he he's kind of in awe at you know the humans uh, a humans uh, sort of they can't ignore adventure you know he's he's really likes the fact that there's a big huge hole in the ground and they know that they shouldn't go down there but there's this voice in in your head that says go down there have a look mm. you know so he's kind of on the same wavelength because Ida's very much like, let's go down there. We're going to die anyway because the cable breaks, doesn't it? Yeah. And they're stranded down there. So she's like, you know, we're going to die anyway. Let's just go for it. And the doctor's like, on this occasion, no. You know, and he mm. backs off. But then he's, you know, there's that to and throwing between the both of them. So they're really connected in a way about what's going on. I, I particularly love that scene, actually, because mm. I, I think uh, the scenes between the doctor and Ida are, are really nice. They're yeah. very yeah. sort of gentle and like you said thought provoking and just tenants so fantastic in those scenes like when he's like you said when he's sort of on the he's got the cable when he's sort of hanging over the edge saying should should we shouldn't he you know i'm right <laughs> i love this feeling of being right on the edge and and then he just right at the last second says no no we shouldn't and you know it's, it's a really good yeah. stuff coming out um and nice dialogue as well um ida Claire Rushbrook really stood out in this story for me. Mm -hmm. um, she works incredibly well with David Tennant in those scenes. Like, you know, the sort of acting performance from both of them actually is is brilliant um, in those bits. So, yeah, I love that. And, of course, the whole time you're sort of thinking, you kind of know they're going to go down there at some point. So when the Doctor does get lowered down um, and, and eventually does go down to find the beast. I think it, it, the payoff is really good. Mm -hmm. uh, it's funny because you mentioned the, the, you know, the CGI base and all that. It's weird because this episode in places looks so brilliant when they keep things simple. Like, for example, when the Doctor's lowered down, it's just literally blackness apart from him. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's such a you know, simple image, but it looks fantastic on screen. So much better than when they try and use loads of CGI to do the base and stuff. And, you know, like the cave looks good and, and all that. Um, but yeah, I, unfortunately, I, I do think the budget shows slightly mm -hmm. uh, on this one. I mean, those those uh, tunnels, um, the air vents <laughs> that they have to run through, they're literally falling apart almost, mm -hmm. aren't they? They look really <laughs> flimsy yeah. uh, when they're running through. Um, you know, I, I sort of felt felt a little bit for the actors having to sort of work with that but um but no i yeah i thought overall it was a really cool cool story yeah it's um yeah i mean aside from the middle bit being a bit it, it wasn't slow i think that's the wrong word because you mm -hmm. know a lot of stuff was still happening it just seemed like um they were taking a long time to do stuff because i think it when they said right um who was it the um the character's name who's sort of in charge of the youth almost um What's his name? Dan, is it Danny? Danny, yep. Um, he, you know, he he, he finds a way to sort of close the U down. And yeah. I think it's from that point on that they take such a long time to, you know, get through the other end of the base because they concoct this kind of filler th um, story aspect of it, like a mechanism to drag this bit out where they can't get to the the other end of the base 
directly. So they have to go through the air vents, but the air vents haven't got any oxygen. So it's down to uh, Zach, the captain, who's in the control room to sort of make sure there's air in those sections of the tunnels yeah. before they can move on to the next one. And then they've got the Ude chasing them through the tunnels. So in a way, it's kind of cool because it, I mean, it's very alien, you know, running through the air vents and yeah. and there's one of them who's behind with the rifle and it's it's almost a carbon copy of Alien in some aspects, but uh, it, it does a decent job of building the suspense, but it just goes on for a bit long. It does a bit. There was a few scenes yeah. like that, like when they're trying to burst through the, the room in, into Zach, where Zach is, and I'm sort of thinking the bolts sort of fly off every... 10 minutes and it did seem a little bit drawn out in places but um although the air vents looked really flimsy um the, there is something really creepy about those oods rattling around inside of them like yeah, that actually yeah. did work quite well i think it's just the red eyes and they almost scuffle along like a sort of a rat yeah. down a drain pipe or something so yeah. that, that bit was quite good but i agree with you it did, it did it, it just felt like they were sort of um, doing the same thing over and over again and not actually getting there quick enough at times. But, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. But that, I think that's just a culprit, sorry, or a, a result of having the scenes with the Doctor and Ida, which were very quiet. And, oh, I love those bits, you know, yeah. I think it's having to match those scenes. Like, like balance it. Yeah, over 45 minutes. Yeah. You can only do so much action before it becomes, oh, this is just too over the top and, you know, mm. they would never survive that. So they have to sort of break it up a little bit, I suppose. Um, but I think, yeah, it's just a result of having to go along with the scenes that the Doctor was in with Ida. Mm. But um, And also we do get to see the loss of poor Mr. Jefferson at that point, which is, uh, <laughs> yeah. it does go... <laughs> I mean, it, it almost seems like he, he almost makes it to that door. <laughs> mm-hmm. I shouldn't laugh, but no, I, I, I must admit, it's it's always, yeah. I, I mean, I thought he was quite a good character, actually, so I, I was sad to see him killed off. And it is done in, in quite a good way, I think, mm-hmm. you know, because um, yeah. he basically says, you know, I'd cut the air off because I'd rather die that way than be killed by a nude. So he kind of, you know makes a decision on how he wants to go. But um, yeah, I thought that that added to it because as I said, it was getting a little bit repetitive um, before that. And then it does sort of bring the, you know, bring it down again, which is good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Or Mr. Jefferson. Or Mr. Jefferson. eh? (laughs) Um, But I thought that um, overall, um, visually, it was obviously pretty much identical to the Impossible Planet because they were obviously filmed at the same time, it looks like. and. All the effects are very similar. We don't need to talk about that because we, we covered that in the last episode. It does look pretty good, but then has these horrific CG moments. So the... um, It's funny though, isn't it? Because some of the CG's bad, because like the, the base stuff's not too good. Um, the rocket and that doesn't look great. But then there is one shot where old uh, Toby gets um, ejected out of the ship oh, and yeah. smashes through the glass and he's going towards the black hole and it's... Mm-hmm. Actually, a really, I thought it was a really good visual. That, that was cool. look, it's really creepy. It's almost done in slow motion, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Of him sort of being pulled. So that you've got a contrast, really, of some really dodgy, looks like they've sort of had to do it a bit too quick mm-hmm. CGI to, to some great visuals like that. And all the stuff in the cave looks good because obviously they've used a real cave. So that all, it's all lit really well. The design of the beast is brilliant. He looks fantastic. I don't. I know the CG's dated a bit on him, but what did you think of the beast? Because I really like the look of him. He kind of. He does look like he's a fantastic devil design. I know they don't actually call him the devil, but I think he's designed brilliantly. But 
the CG's dated, obviously, a little bit now, but I really like the Beast. Yeah, it's an interesting... I mean, it goes along with the very traditional um, uh, sort of ideas of what... Because you're right, they never refer to it as the devil. I mean, they they mm. float that name around, I think, in the previous episode. But yeah. I think the Doctor's trying to sell it more of this being is is an idea rather than the actual devil. Because they never explain... I think that's not their fault because they don't know enough about it. But other than what this beast character has told them, you know, he's told them that he's been around before space mm. and time and matter were around and stuff. So you think, well, is he sort of some, is he like, is he a godlike character? You know, is he the opposite to what, you know, God might be and so on. So I think they've had to go along the traditional design of what the devil might look like. So the big horned creature with, Almost it's like a ram, doesn't it, with the horns? Yeah, yeah. with the red skin and Mm-mm. and the fire and all that. Like, it's very traditional. When you you know do a search for like you know traditional images of the devil or whatever, that's you, you'll go along those lines basically. And it's interesting that one of his horns had snapped in half as well. Did yeah. you notice that on its head? Yeah, yeah. So probably all that thrashing around and and stuff. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean it's I mean the CG. It, Obviously, it has dated. This is over 10 years old now. It's 2000 and... Well, it's 12 years old, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's... Yeah, I mean, in a way, it's... It's a bit ropey in places. But the actual motion of the, the creature is pretty good. Because um, typically with really big... And they got the scale, you know, nailed pretty well as well. You know... Well, when, when the doctor's facing it. Yeah, and those yeah. big wide shots when you see like... Uh, like a... a the, the doctor is a very small figure at the bottom of the screen and then the, the mm. creature takes up you know most of the screen it's the scale's pretty good and and the movement but normally with cg characters back at that time it's not a you know too long ago but sometimes the motion can feel a bit sort of jerky and not very fluid yeah, and stuff but mean, yeah. this was all right though it wasn't too bad mm. it wasn't too I bad think, i think they don't yeah i was going to say overall if you, with the two episodes i think they've done well with what they had because to me the sets look really limited as well um like that one bit that they keep running across and stuff but i think they've done well with what they had but i would absolutely love to see this two-parter you know if they'd have had some real money put into Mm -hmm. it i mean i mean it's it's a great story uh and the the cast pretty much you know uh, overall are quite good but oh yeah i'd I'd have loved to have seen this with some real money injected into it i think it would have looked would have looked great but but overall i think they've done reasonably well with what they had hmm. yeah it was the mill remember when the mill did the mill yeah, yeah. i like the mill uh, they were nominated for uh best visual and digital effects for series two of doctor who why did they get rid of the mill or did the mill leave or something because it changed didn't it you know when everything started going horribly wrong with the cgi with uh, capaldi's era it was done by somebody else wasn't it um the mill sort of disbanded yeah i thought they they brought it in-house didn't they Yes. Or something like that. Yes, yeah. yeah. But they went on to do other stuff. I mean, I think they did Doctor Who up until 2014, something like that. But, I mean, you can't, like, with the new series being filmed in with these special new cameras, you could, you can't have it cut into terrible CGI like no. we got in series no. nine, you know, so... Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> So whoever's, yeah, I'm thinking of the ice planet. and oh. Anyway, but yeah, you you know, they've, you know, I don't know who's doing it for the new series, but they're going to have to up their game Absolutely. big time. Yeah. Otherwise, it's going to be really jarring, yeah. Be interested to see, actually. Yeah. 
Mm. Uh, Script-wise, then, so visually, all good. Editing-wise, although the concept is drawn out a bit in the middle, I thought editing, it still moved along fairly. And yeah, it had that yeah. nice juxtaposition of sort of fast-paced action with what was going on, like we said, and then those real calm... And that, that's what makes those scenes for me really, really cool. Not just the performances from Tennant and, um, um, what's her name, Claire Rushbrook. Not just those performances, but the way those scenes were put together because there's no music. It's, for the most part, it's just silence, mm. isn't it? It's just those two. It, it's pretty much silent. Mm. And it's a real flip from what we've just seen. So up on the surface, like we said, it's all rushing around and guns and ood chasing and, mm. you know, high impact sort of stuff. And then you flick to the Doctor and Ida and it's very, it's very calm, but an unsettling calm because you know that they're about to, or the Doctor's about to venture down. Because that's just as suspenseful. You know, we were talking about the ood who were sort of scuttling through the air vents and, yeah. you know, are they going to get to the room in time and all that stuff. It's quite suspenseful. I also found that scene where the doctor's dangling over the edge and the cables run out and he's like, you know, I'm just going to fall. It's like, what's he doing? Like, I, I, I love that bit because he actually says, doesn't he? He starts contemplating, oh, I could survive this and you know he's sort of he's probably thinking i could probably regenerate if it's really bad and i love the fact that he's just going through it in his head about yeah i reckon i could do this you know even if i like die i could probably regenerate from that fall and you know it's an interesting to see the doctor going through that yeah. in his head isn't it it is yeah. yeah because he's gone from very much you know needing to save rose obviously mm. so sort of not really he kind of makes peace with himself with that. He's like, she'll be okay. You know, yeah, I sort of trust it, yeah. in Rose to, you know, sort stuff out what's going up on there. Because he also says that at the end, that end scene where he's shouting at the at the beast, you know, because mm-hmm. he's like, yeah, we're pretty much done for, aren't we? Because if I release you, you know, it's all going to kick off, you know. And if I don't, then Rose is going to die because she's going to get sucked into the black hole. But then he sort of comes to the conclusion, actually, Rose is... I trust Rose. I know she's going to sort this out. So, yeah. to hell with it, you know. And so there's a couple of moments where he's like that, but I found that sus- that scene when he's dangling over the edge really suspenseful. Because, yeah, you're right. He does weigh up the chances in his head, doesn't he? He's like, mm. it could be three miles down. It could be thirty feet, and he's like, oh, I could survive thirty feet, mm. you know, whatever. And then he just goes, doesn't he? Because it's in blackness. You just see him like literally a worm on a hook. It looks great as well. It's so simple. It's brilliant, yeah. It looks brilliant. I, I love, we get a great tenant moment, don't we, with the beast where he's, we, like but you were just talking about where he's thinking about Rose and stuff, and they do this jump cut thing. And I'm not sure if this is the only episode they do it. It feels like they've done it a few times, but I might be wrong. You know where he's going, oh, ah, yes. <laughs> and they do this sort of jump cut of him. To, you mm-hmm. can imagine they just got him to do loads of that and then picked sort of three or four from, you know. But that's that's so tenant-y, mm-hmm. and I loved that bit because it's just him processing information as the doctor and, and tenant being just so in his element as the doctor doing that as well. Mm-hmm. So that was, I love that bit down, down there yeah. where he's with the beast. Yeah. It's do awesome. they do that in another episode or am I, I'm sure they've done that a few times in the tenant era, but I might be wrong. It might be the only time to do it, but it feels like a 10th doctory thing. Yeah. They have done it at least sure one they've other done time. It in a few. Yeah. 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 Um, but those, that set's really nice. They used it in, you know, the Christmas invasion when he's in the Sycorax ship. Oh, was that the same place? Yeah, yeah Clearwell ah. Caves, apparently, in Gloucestershire. Okay. Oh. Might have to pay that a visit. It looks really cool. Yeah, yeah, I like a cave. <laughs> I like a good cave, yeah. <laughs> um, but, the, I mean, to be, 
in my opinion, the the story wins really on its script, and that's mainly due to uh, the sort of struggles that are going on um, topside in the base, but more so those really core cool conversations with the Doctor and Ida. And I think that's down to I'm really pleased that that Matt Jones got to put out two really good stories for Who. Because when I read up a bit on Matt Jones, it turns out that it's, it was kind of a, a life sort of ambition for him to write a Doctor Who story because oh, right. he started writing for Doctor Who magazine as a column columnist back in 1995. Obviously, he's a huge Doctor Who fan. And one, yeah. of, it, one of his dreams, if you like, was to write a, a, an episode of, of Doctor Who. So he uh, oh, started out that. writing for the Doctor Who magazine and then a few years later got a break when he started being a script editor with Russell T. Davis, coincidentally, for uh-huh. Queer as Folk. So yeah. worked on Queer as Folk and then obviously led on to something else and he started writing for Corrie and other bits and then, yeah, landed this. So I'm really glad that, because he's only written two episodes, just these two. Yeah, I was going to say, he didn't, yeah, he's not come back or done any since, has he? He's done one episode of Torchwood. Oh, did he? But that's okay. it, yeah. Which um, one was it? When we come to it, I'll have to remember. It was um, Dead Man Walking. Dead Man Walking, right. Okay, I have to try and remember that. We haven't done yeah. that one yet, have we? No. No. Yeah, so I just thought that was really cool, um, like a really cool um, way for somebody, because it's always a bit of a, you know, when you watch an episode of Who and it's not exactly brilliant, you think to yourself, well, you know, what's going on? What's the... We've seen that many times in the Moff mm. era where someone's you know, a fairly decent writer and the episode hasn't been that great and then you think, well, is that the Moff's fault? Yeah, has As... he come and put his his little <laughs> two pennies worth in? Yeah. Um, or is it and the... also, so, sorry. Or is it the quality of the writing? But in this case, I think it, the quality of the writing is very good. Yeah, because I was going to say also we've seen it as well, particularly in the Moffat era, where you get a really good first part and then the second part just lets it down big time. Um, whereas these, I felt they're quite consistent, actually, this, as yeah, a two-parter. Yeah. These episodes are quite consistent. I got to say, the thing is with the first one is it it had a lot more creepy moments. So is it, it builds more episode one, whereas yeah, this is very yeah. much tying up everything and lots more action. So um, I probably slightly preferred the first episode, but I do think this is a fitting mm-hmm. conclusion, if, if you like. I mean, in terms of creepy moments... The bit where Toby starts cracking up, going mental in the rocket, that creeps the hell out of me. And because, it, it, you know, in the first episode, we got a few moments like that. This one, we don't really get any until mm-hmm. that point. You know, the bit where he Rose looks at him and he starts reeling off all this, you know, satanic, I am the visa. <laughs> and he's really going for it. And again, it's Gabriel Wolf's voice, isn't it? And he's sort of yeah. thinking to it very well, I have to say. I don't know if they just mixed the two together or how they did it, but, you know, because sometimes when somebody else is doing the voice and the actor's got a sort of lip sync to it, sometimes it doesn't work very well. <laughs> yeah. uh, it works really well in that scene. It's it's as creepy as anything, isn't it? It is. When he's, when yeah. he's kicking off. And I mean, yeah, when Rose ejects him out of the ship, you really think like, oh, thank goodness for that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like you can imagine being next to him going mad like that. It's pretty creepy. It is. And it is a really yeah. creepy scene where he's being dragged into the black hole in slow motion, like you said earlier. Yeah, yeah, it's a great shot, that is. Yeah, because they've sort of obscured part of his face as well and he's sort of contorted. Mm. He's got that real possessed look about him as well and it's, yeah, it's a very creepy. 
Actually, what's his name? The guy Toby said, uh, Will Thorpe. He does he does very well at being possessed because there is one other little moment when they're in the in the air vents, I think. <laughs> And you don't, because that's the thing, you're not sure if he's good, bad, possessed, whatever. But there's but there's a bit, isn't there, where he turns to the Ood and, and sort of goes, shh, and his eyes are red. He's just sort of telling oh, him, yeah. actually, yeah. I'm on your side, but mm-hmm. don't tell them. And that's a really creepy moment as well. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So. He was actually all right, you know. Real thought. Yeah, no, he's yeah. good. I, I actually, yeah, I thought he was really good, actually, in, yeah. in both parts. Yeah. Um, and And I think the these two stories come at a decent time as well in series two because if you remember to the the episode before which was the idiot's lantern oh yeah that always gets some mixed Mm, doesn't hit quite at the mark does it yeah and it's followed by love and monsters oh so you know have we reviewed that before I say anything? I, I was just about <laughs> to say the same thing. I think we have, but I can't remember what we gave it. I'm pretty sure we have reviewed it. Uh, Where's our scores list? Love and Monsters. Yeah, episode 50. Oh, well. Do you know what we gave it? Uh, yep, we gave it. Can't find it. Uh, a, uh, I gave it a six, you gave it a five. A five? Yeah. Blimey. Okay. Um, so... Although I quite like Love and Monsters, it's it's renowned for being a real sort of series two killer. Do you know what I mean? You get to yeah. that point in the series and you're like, I can't handle this. I'm just going to skip. But then that's followed by Fear Her. And we haven't reviewed that yet. So let's keep shtum about that. And yeah, then you're on to um, Army of Ghosts and Doomsday. So it kind of falls at the right time within series two, in my opinion, because, you know, The Idiot's Lantern, it's... Yeah. It sort of brings it up a bit, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Because if, if The Idiot's Lantern was followed by Love and Monsters, you'd think, what is going on? You'd give up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I like it that they've plonked this sort of awesome two-parter in there. Mm. And uh, yeah, I just think overall the script works really well. CG's a bit yeah. in places, but it's 2006 after all. And mm. Doctor Who's never had the the biggest budget, has it? Let's uh, be honest. No. And uh, the performance is really good. Let's talk about some cast members. Um, so Gabriel Wolf then as the voice of the beast perfect absolutely perfect yeah really just great I mean we both love Pyramids of Mars anyway don't we and Sutek and and all of that so it's great that he come back to do this this voiceover and um, if any yeah he's totally chilling you know obviously we don't see him on screen it's just the voice but what a voice yeah what a voice Mm. Was, he he was in something else that we reviewed, wasn't he? Not the Impossible Planet, but something else. Well, Gabriel Wolf, his voice, yeah. What was, was he in? Because we 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 made that sort of tenuous. Oh no, it was the Impossible Planet because we made the tenuous link, didn't we? That Sutek has, was known as. Um, oh yeah, because there is a link, isn't there? You could say that you know there is a slight link to Sutek of you know if you wanted it to be there, but it doesn't. Yeah. 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 It's not official because Sutek no. was known as it wasn't was it the devil or something in other cultures or other times something like that something yeah like that. yeah sorry yeah. yeah but Gabriel yeah he's just got such a menacing and you can I can picture him in my mind in the recording studio just getting that right amount of bass in his voice mm. and just absolutely freaking out the people who were there recording the 
Oh, it would me diver. as well, especially yeah. when the the beast is really kicking off. I mean, that's cr- real creepy stuff. Yeah, because yeah, anything sort of satanic, I think, is just <sighs> eerie as anything. Yeah, yeah, because they have two versions of the voice, don't they? They have the first one, which is you hear through Toby, mm. and um, that you hear through the comm system, and then you have like the big bellowing beast sort of snarls and growls and everything like that. Um, which I assume that he did as well, like the big evil cackle that the beast does. Oh yeah, down yeah. in the cave and stuff. And uh, I know it's had the the voice has had some processing done, like loads of reverb and extra bass and stuff. But mm-hmm. it's still really creepy, especially I when know. Toby's doing it. Yeah, I was going to say it's, it's really good how they they match up the two. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to have been in the studio when he was doing this, though. Can you imagine? Mm-hmm. Just like saying, yeah, can we just do a take of this one, uh, Gabriel? And and him coming out of that, I'll be sat there going like chills down the spine, I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, what about the Ud then? The Ud. Do you feel sorry they, for him? They, I do. Yeah. I think they're used quite well in this story, actually. Um, and what I really like about it is that they try and find a way to disarm them without killing them. You know, so there's a compassion by the crew. So they're not just say like, ah, oh, just shoot them, shoot them. They try and find a way to disarm them, you know, so that they'll be all right. Because obviously the Uda are good. They've just been possessed. So, you know, they're still recognizing the fact that they're, you know, they're not bad. Yeah. Um, and I and I really like the fact that the last shot of the rocket and the captain's, you know, doing his log, if you like, or whatever it's called, you know, where he's naming those that they've lost. And captain's he, log. Captain's log, yeah, star date, fifty nine. <laughs> he's yeah, he's going through like you know the he mentions the ood, but you know as well. And I thought that's good because it, it recognises that they're more than just a throwaway, mm-hmm. you know, monster. And they're not a monster, are they? But you know what I mean. It's like it's nice that the crew recognise them as a you know as a person for want of a better word, rather than just a slave, yeah. you know? So that's a nice, it gives another element to their character. So I think they use really well in this. I, th- I, I do love the Ood because they are good, but they can switch from looking, you know, like they can switch to looking evil in an instant. And they yeah. work brilliantly as a goodie and a baddie. I, I like that. Yeah. 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 Question for you. Mm. How would you categorize the Ood? Because, uh, mm. I noticed something. Anyone on uh, that follows uh, the official Doctor Who website, which is DoctorWho.tv, or the uh, the manager of that website, Crystal D, uh, would have noticed that they had a bit of a redesign in the last week. Oh yeah. So they redesigned the website, and they've got a section on there called Explore, and that divides it into three sections. You've got Doctors, Companions, and Villains. Now, the Ood have been placed under the villain category. Mm, no, I wouldn't, know. Would you categorise the, or categorise the, the Ood as a a monster or villain in Who? No, I wouldn't. It's weird, no, because they, they're good. So, I mean, th- yeah, it's not their fault they're possessed by the devil, uh, you know. <laughs> um, no, I wouldn't class them as a villain. No, no. Where would you put him then? Because they're not companions and they're not, well, they're friends. They're friends of the Doctor, aren't they? <laughs> Do they not have a friend section? No. <laughs> friends of the Doctor section? Come on, Crystal, get on it. No, I, I wouldn't class them as a villain, but if they haven't got any other section, I guess you would put them in there because, yeah, they're quite bad in this story in terms of trying to kill people. So, yeah, <laughs> it's probably just because they didn't have a section. 
<laughs> I didn't have a section. Yeah, where do you put them? Where do we put these? Ood? Where do you put the ood? It's a difficult one, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Just thought yeah. I'd throw that at you because I'm. Yeah, it's interesting. In the same camp, mate. I wouldn't really class them as a as a monster, like a, a not a bad guy, a baddie. No, they're not a baddie. No. And as you just mentioned, that website as well, the, the new artwork, blimmin' heck, it's great. If listeners, if you haven't looked, gone and looked at it, go and have a look. It's brilliant what they've done. Lee Binding and Tom Webster. Yeah, so they've done like all brilliant. the doctors, they've yeah. done all the companions and monsters. It's brilliant, it's actually. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yes, Gabriel, very, very good. The Ood, very good. Um. Right, Danny. Uh, Ronnie Jutty, what do you reckon to him? Yeah, I think he's okay. I wouldn't say he's the best actor in it, <laughs> <laughs> but he does the job, if you like. Uh, I guess that's the best way I would describe him. He um, does the job. He does the job. Okay. He's like likable enough. Um, yeah. The best scenes Just, for me was when he was getting really stressed out in the in the tunnels in the air vents. <laughs> what when he does the? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, no, not. Well, yeah, that was a bit Russell T Davis, that wasn't it? But. That was, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, when he's getting really stressed out, he's banging on the thing and obviously yeah, yeah. claustrophobic, which they don't explicitly say, but yeah. Um, but otherwise, yeah, not too bad. No, I thought he's all right, yeah. Yeah. Toby, spoken about Will Thorpe. Very good. Very, very good. Very good, because, you know, it's easy to go over the top when you're being possessed. <laughs> yeah. You know, you can do the over-the-top acting. Um, I think he's very good, actually, because he, he's another one, a bit like the Ood. He can look he can look quite innocent at times, mm-hmm. and then he can switch like that to looking really evil. And I, So he was very good casting, actually. I don't know what else he's gone on to do, but, um, yeah, I thought he was particularly good in this, yeah. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Um, right, Ida and the... Uh, we'll speak about those scenes again, though, because they are quite poignant. So um, Claire Rushbrook as Ida Scott um, with the Doctor. Uh, we spoke about the... Um, when they get stranded down there and they're contemplating what they're going to do and so on. Um, did you think that... Because we also spoke about having those quieter scenes without any action and just those two talking. Did you feel like those were fairly well um timed um or did you feel like they were drawn out as well because i really liked going back to that part of the 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 program where it's just those two talking about stuff Hmm. no i I thought they were really well timed i actually prefer those moments actually because as much as i liked all the action i actually preferred it when i kept thinking let's go back to the doctor and ida because i I love the discussions (laughs) they were having and you know, Ida mentions her poor old mum and you can see that she drifts off into thinking about her for a second and then comes back. And so I loved all that stuff, you know, going on between her and the doctor and, you know, the the conversation and the writing was really good. You know, the contemplating faith and what does the doctor believe in? And he says to her, Danny, oh, I never asked and all this sort of stuff. So, I, yeah, as much as I loved all the stuff going on on the base, I actually preferred the quieter stuff with Ida and the doctor. Yeah, she's a great actress, isn't she, Claire Rushbrook? She's she's really stood out to me in this. Mm. I think you know, of all of the supporting cast, I think she was the best. I really liked her character. Um, as I said earlier, she works brilliantly with David Tennant. Um, you know, I I don't know if she's companion material, but I could happily watch more of those two together because he does save right. her at the end of it, doesn't he? She's sort of slumped against the <laughs> Tardis wall. And he's managed to save her, and that's a nice moment as well. Whether you know the doctor recognises that he couldn't save the Ute, and he looks, you know, I only had time to save her, mm-hmm. and, you know, and you can see because the doctor will always try, you know, even though the Ute have obviously 
been possessed, but he would have tried to do something if he could. So that's a nice yeah. moment as well. Yeah. Yeah, that was really sad to me. Mm. That moment where he's talking to Zach and uh, he's got Ida there. She's unconscious, but she's alive. Yeah. And you yeah. think, oh, he's, he's managed to do it. And then, because you almost forget about the Ud, don't you? I did. Exactly, yeah, yeah, you would, yeah. Yeah, I, I completely forgot that they would have been on that base and the planet would then have been sucked into the black hole. I completely forgot about the Ud, which is terrible, really. Mm. Um, and then when the Doctor reminds you as the viewer, like, oh, you've forgotten about the Ud, haven't you? Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. good, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, and he's like, I couldn't save them, but it's a bit sad. Mm. But, um, but yeah, Claire Rushbrook, really good. Very uh, good. What about the captain then? Uh, Zach, Zach, Zach. Yeah, it's interesting because I remember you said last, oh, well, not last week, you said on part one you felt he was perhaps one of the weaker mm. members of the supporting cast. Um, what did you think of him this week? Did he improve for you or do you still think he's a bit below par? Um, no, I thought he was a, a bit better in this one. Yeah. Purely because I saw a bit more of a... Um, like, it, because of what's going on in the story... I felt like maybe as in the script or possibly as the actor wanted to take it, that he could have been more emotional at times. Hmm. But I felt that it was a good thing that he wasn't because there was people dying and things are collapsing and, you know, everything's going to pot. I, it's, it's very easy as, as, a, as a person writing a very human story to sort of let those emotions come out. But I thought as the captain, he just, you know, stood his... Even right up to the very end, you know, where he says to Ida over the comlink, you know, we can't save you. Mm. you know, you're 10 metres down, we've got no cable, we're going to have to go. And then straight after that, he instructs them to knock Rose out because she's kicking off about staying She's kicking well. off, yeah, yeah. And then uh, at the end where he's going through the log of people that have died, which is very sad, he's not doing it with tears in his eyes or anything like that. He's doing it mm. because he's there to do a job. So... I've got respect for for Matt Jones for writing him that way and also to Sean Parks for still playing it that way. So, no, I thought he was actually pretty good in this one. Yeah, I think he's quite good in it. I mean, he gets a bit more... Uh, they flesh out the character a bit because we find out he's like the captain that doesn't know how to command or something, you know. And yeah, uh, yeah. and also there's that nice scene where Rose points the, the nail gun at him or whatever it is and he's like, yeah, but would you though? Mm-hmm. You know, and so no, I think he's he's given a bit more to do in this, and I think he's um, yeah, I think he's he's quite reasonable in in his performance. I thought it was quite good. I, I agree with you. I think he just sort of gets better as the story goes on. Actually, yeah, I thought so. Yeah, mm. yeah, and yeah, that is interesting that he sort of relegates himself to not really being a captain because he's oh, I'm just here pushing buttons. You know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but then he does yeah. sort of come into his own. So steps I like that. up to yeah. the plate, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Danny Webb then as uh, Jefferson Mr Jefferson oh dear there's always got to be one casualty of war hasn't there <laughs> yeah oh actually no uh, yeah there's him but who's the somebody else got killed within the first few seconds and I I must admit I couldn't remember if she was supposed to be part of the team or just an extra that <laughs> wandered on there is a girl at the beginning that gets killed um, is there? I don't, she's probably yeah there is yeah because I thought oh gosh they've killed someone off in the first few minutes but she might have been like you remember the other extra guy that I said that just randomly <laughs> appears and you think oh well he's going to die because he's come out of nowhere and then 10 seconds later he dies I think she might have been one of them I don't uh, know okay right yeah anyway so Danny Webb yeah <laughs> casualty um, I actually thought again a bit bit like uh, Sean Parks I thought he actually got better 
yeah. in the second yeah. half. Again, he's, he's sort of his character's fleshed out a bit more, and um, and also that self-sacrificing thing. A bit like I said with uh, you know the possessed Toby, it's very easy to sort of play that over the top and almost become comical when he's like, no, no, you know, leave me behind, save yourself sort of thing. <laughs> it, it can become a bit sort of laughable, but I think he does it quite well, actually. He does do a sort of understated performance of, ah, didn't quite make it. Yeah, you know? exactly. and So I thought he was actually quite good. Yeah, Danny Webb. Yeah, no, exactly that, that understated, mm. you know, going out as a, a quiet hero. And I remembered yeah. him being a bit more of a, because, you know, I haven't watched this for a while. So in my mind, I always remember the character being a bit of a um, a bit gun-ho, a bit of an idiot and not that right. likable. But actually watching it again, um, uh, my sort of perception of him is different because he's, he's more than that. Because I think I may have just been thinking of the bit where he's ready to kill Toby because he's like, if he turns again... I'm shooting him for the good of us, you know, the whole crew. So I was sort of, that's the bit that stuck in my mind before rewatching this. I was thinking, oh, he's a bit of a, I can't say the word because it's a child friendly podcast, but you know, he's a bit of a, one of those. And he, but actually he's not, he's, he's a much more rounded character than that. So yes, he is. I actually quite like Mr. Jefferson on a rewatch. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Billy Piper. Uh, now for me, mm. for me, she's so much better in this part too. Um, because I think she's she's given so much more to do. Um, she sort of takes control, doesn't she? She puts herself in command and starts bossing people around and giving orders. But her performance, I think, is she really ups her game in this second part. For me, I, I thought she was much better in this because I don't think I was particularly taken with her in part one. I can't remember what I said now, but I thought she was a bit, you know, a bit yeah. boring in part one, but I like I liked Rose in this. I was sort of more like sort of series one Rose again, stuck in and and solving problems and you know taking control. So I thought Billy Piper was good in this. Yeah, I think we all sh- we also mentioned that she was perhaps a little bit too cocky in episode, yes. in the first bit. Yeah, you know, because when her and the Doctor turn up at the base, they're all laughing and joking and having a crack, and that soon wears off. But Rose seems to still keep doing it throughout. The first part, she's you know making jokes and That's stuff right. like that. But yeah, I thought in this one, probably because she has more to do. Like you said, she's she's gets stuck in, and there's the doctor's not around, so she has to kind of take charge a little bit because everyone's losing their mind, and she mm. keeps them on the on the straight path, if you like. But yeah, I thought she was okay in this. I thought she was pretty good. There was there was one element to the story which is. Um, Something that I come back to quite frequently throughout series one and two, and it's this uh, sort of relationship that the Doctor has with Rose. Yeah. You know, the the bit where the Doctor's dangling over the edge and he's about to release, and he says to Ida, tell Rose, and then there's that pause, you know. Mm. And then he's he like... There's one last chance to say it. Yeah. <laughs> no, he doesn't say that, but you can almost imagine he's going to. Yeah, yeah. and then he's like, oh, she knows. So, yeah. It, and I'm 99% sure, but that's kind of insinuating that the Doctor wanted to say, tell Rose that I love her. I think that's what they're getting mm-hmm. at, isn't it? Yeah. So we're coming back to this romantic element within the Doctor and the companion again. That's the only little sort of niggly bit mm. that that comes into my mind whenever I watch, because it happens at various moments throughout series one and two with Rose. And obviously at the end with Doomsday. You know, it's very, very much that. You know, the last few minutes is all about that. But 
You know, I just find it that little niggly thing. Like, you know, is it? And that's kind of what they're exploring, I suppose. Maybe that was part of Russell T. Davis. Uh, one of his things, if you like, when he brought Doctor Who back is, you know, this relationship that the Doctor has with his companion, can it be romantic? or Should it be mm. romantic or, or whatever? And they soon put a stop to it, didn't they? They tried to do it with Martha, but the Doctor wasn't having any of it. And it certainly didn't happen with Donna. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. So, you know, it was one of those, oh, can I... It doesn't bother me, don't get me wrong. No, right? no, but I, I'll tell you what, I'm glad you mentioned it because I 100% agree with you because there's just a couple of little moments like that. Yeah. But, um, they don't bother me as so much, but I could do without them. Exactly. Because yeah. I don't like the Doctor fawning all over, you know, <laughs> Rose all the time. Oh, Rose! You know, it, it does get... And, and also the other way around as well. But yeah, it it's not too bad in this story, but there, there are a couple of moments like that um, where I could just do without the sort of... Um, are they, aren't they, mm -hmm. are they, aren't they in love sort of thing. I just don't, I like the doctor. I like the third doctor and Joe and the third doctor and Joe Grant relationship, like the caring grandfather that's sort of looking after, after her. Sort right. of, you know, right. I don't like this love interest thing at all between the doctor and his companion. I just don't think it works. I don't think it's right. So yeah, I do agree with you, mate. It's, um, they don't push it too much in this story, but there were a little, couple of little moments where I was thinking, no, don't, don't go there. Don't do that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's yeah. why I'm don't do sleep over it. Cause they don't sort of put it in your face. Don't it's just push that, it, but it's yeah. there, isn't it? Yeah. And yeah. I think it's more on Rose's side. Mm. That's purely because she's relentless in like, you know, we're not leaving without the doctor. I'm, I'm not leaving. Yeah. And even to the point where she, she doesn't know what's going to happen when she shoots the, the shield, the, the windshield in the, the rocket, you know, when Toby starts kicking off and she shoots it. Yeah. The emergency. Yeah. She doesn't shield know. That, or whatever, yeah. Yeah. She, you know, for all she knows, they all could have been sucked out the window when mm. she shot that. So she does that for, you know, pretty much for the doctor's sake. If you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, I do. Because I must admit, I like all that because you. I, I was thinking, you know, in this story as well, I do love the way that, I love it when you're watching a story and you think, how are they going to get out of this? Mm -hmm. And I, this is one of those stories where at the end, you know, those sort of last 10 minutes, I was thinking to myself, obviously I've seen it before, but you know what I mean? I kept thinking, yeah, how do they, you know, Rose is on a spaceship, mm -hmm. like flying away. The doctor's in a cave with no TARDIS. How do they mm -hmm. get back together? So I, I like it when you can't see where the story's going. Yeah. As I said, they do, they do wrap it up a bit quick. I mean, the bit where the doctor's sort of, blown across the room and lands with the TARDIS. It, it's very convenient, but for some reason I love it. I think it's just because of Tennant's face. He just sees the TARDIS and his face lights up, doesn't it? So Tennant sells that moment to me, even though it's a little bit ridiculous, I think. Yeah, but, um, yeah. In terms of continuity, that is a bit ridiculous because... It is a bit. When the when the base collapses in, in the first part and the TARDIS falls over the edge and it falls down into the big open cavern, doesn't it? Yeah, but at that point, there was still that big round cover over the the, that's the entrance true. to yeah, the, that's the thing. Because yeah. when the Ida and the Doctor go down, all it is is that solid round cover over the top, isn't it? So and the TARDIS shouldn't be down there. Yeah. I know it doesn't. It is as I said. That's what I meant when I said they they just wrap things up a bit too conveniently. But a little bit. It's not enough to bother me. But yeah, there, it's true. <laughs> yeah, but then again, you there is that element of. I don't know if it's a magical thing, whether we should dive too much into that with Doctor Who, but that is that element where 
in the past, we've ex- explored maybe the TARDIS having a mind of its own. So maybe the TARDIS sort of put itself there. I I did think you know that. I mean. Yeah, no, I do think that because yeah. of this whole thing about the TARDIS being alive and stuff. So I, that's my, yeah. that's the way I, you know, console myself <laughs> in terms of the continuity and story. Yeah. Let's go with yeah. that then. Let's go with that. That yeah. seems reasonable. Right. Uh, yeah. So otherwise, without the rose sort of gushing over the doctor too much, I thought she was pretty good. Yes, Same I liked her in this one, yeah. yeah. And then yeah. lastly, Mr. Tennant himself. Mr. Tennant. Superb, mostly. No, all the, all the way through for me. Okay. He's, he's absolutely superb in this. I, I I love it when the Doctor's sort of, he takes it down a notch, doesn't he? He's not the sort of shouty, I'm taking control of the situation because like you said, he's he can't because he's just trapped away from the action. So he's got nothing, to, you know, no choice but to just sort of get on with his own situation. It's great. Tennant mm-hmm. handles it really well. Um, the dialogue, his performance, and just everything, and then he gets to do all the stuff at the end with the beast, where he's smashing the pots and figuring it all out. And so, yeah, he's very, very good in this. Very good. Really good. Yes. Yeah. Uh, no, I agree. I absolutely agree. I think. Uh, yeah, and I like that he because he doesn't have to be shouty all the time. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So those scenes where he's very calm and collected and contemplative. I think it's the right word. Um, yeah, it's very cool. Those scenes with Ida and at the end with the beast is brilliant, brilliant tenant. It is. And also, yeah. you know, a lot of, when people say he's, you know, he's a bit too human, not very doctorish, and I sometimes feel that. But when I see him in a story like this where he's talking about why he travels and, you know, how his life is always on the edge diving into a black hole, and that's why he does it because, you know, he's being asked questions about the devil and faith and does this exist? And he's like, I don't know all the answers. That's mm-hmm. why I travel. And uh, so you get to see that actually he is 100% the doctor yeah. um, in moments yeah. like that. You know, the, the, he is that tr- still that same traveler um you know trying to discover new things and he doesn't know the answer to everything so again tenant sells that brilliantly i think indeed yeah anything else you want to mention mate before we get on to our scores just a couple of little things okay. uh, firstly murray's music's uh toned down because it's very noticeable <laughs> yeah. in part one and we really yeah. liked it didn't we mm-hmm. this one uh still good but it doesn't sort of shine through like it did in episode one and maybe just because we're hearing the same bits i don't know but still very nice music from murray uh just not a standout as, mm-hmm. as the first part um and the only other two things is uh i i noticed we get a mention of the torchwood archive which uh oh. don't didn't remember any of that nope. um before nope. re-watching this so that's cool like the fact they threw that in there and then there's the foreboding of rose's you know death <laughs> which um yep. i remember like loving these little hints so you know when this was first shown because i think we possibly knew that billy was leaving i can't really remember now but i think i think we did so there was all these little hints about her dying and we we're like oh no how's she gonna leave the show you know what's this all about so again we get a great little moment where the the beast or the devil whatever says the girl who shall soon die in battle and rose is really mm-hmm. like really disturbed by it isn't she she says to the doctor at the end you know what did he mean and the doctor's like ah he just shrugs it off but <laughs> but i love that a little sort of foreboding nugget thrown in there which again relates to the sort of story arc of rose leaving the series and i, I just thought yeah. it, again totally fitted the story didn't mm-hmm. feel like it was sort of shoehorned in or <laughs> clunky or just a great little moment that you know that could mean something could mean nothing yeah. so i love that yeah. Really like that. That's, um, that's very cool. Yeah. yeah, that's it for me, mate, I think. Yeah, and I found that um, quite interesting as well because it must have been 
um, quite weird for David Tennant and Billy Piper because those final scenes and everything, all of that was all filmed and done. How was it? Yeah, this was all filmed after um, Army of Ghosts and Doomsday and everything. Right, gosh, I didn't know that. So it must be really weird for them because they've done all the emotional goodbyes yeah. and all that stuff. So, yeah, but no, I've got nothing else, mate. Yeah. That yeah. must have been strange. You think Billy was thinking, oh, if I made the right choice, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, as you do. As you do. Yeah. Scores. Who's going to go first? I can't even remember who went first last time. So I'll go first and I'll go in with an eight. You're going with an eight? Yep. Okay. Um, I'm going with a 7.5, same as last week, because I enjoyed it equally as good. Okay. Um, Yeah, I I think, yeah, nothing really wrong with it. It's very, very strong, but didn't quite reach an eight for me. Okay. Uh, Just because of the sort of repetition of it sometimes. But yeah, I think it was equally as good as last week. So I'll go with the same 7.5. Okay. Yeah. Initially I had 7.5 because I, like you, I enjoyed it equally. But then I thought those scenes with the Doctor and Ida were so, so good. They were good. Really good. Yeah. Yeah. So I I gave it an extra half a point for those um, awesome scenes. Yes. Yes. Righty. What did our lovely listeners think? We've got a couple of audio clips in. Let's do the first one. This is Sammy Satine. Gary and Adam, Sammy Satine here. So, the Satan Pit. It was good. I liked it. I like the cave drawings of how the beast was trapped. I also like the look of the beast. Sort of how you'd picture the devil, really. I also like how mind and body were separated, because that's the only way you could keep the beast imprisoned. I give it 10 beasts out of 10. See ya. Wow. 10 beasts. 10 beasts. There you go. That's good. Thank you, Sammy. Yeah. Uh, and then we also had another audio clip in. This is from my good friend, Jake Burtwistle. Good old Fred. Gotta love Fred. Fred's amazing. Um, Satan Pit. It's, 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 it's not as good as the first part. The reason why is the ending is just a bit naff for me. I think it's a bit weird that Whoever imprisoned Fred made it very, very easy for him to be destroyed or released into the black hole or whatever by smashing two vases. I don't see that happening, really. And the other thing that I don't understand is if Fred is supposedly from before time and space and all that stuff, how come he is humanoid? That's what I don't understand. Apart from that, it's a great episode. I'll give it a seven. Yeah, seven out of ten. Bye. Seven. Makes a very good point about the vases, and uh, they were a lovely vase <laughs> as well. Such a shame to see them smashed. <laughs> uh, no, very good point there, Jake, actually. And I always, I don't know about you, mate, I, I remember this from the very first time I watched it, and, uh, and now I can't ever sort of unsee it, is that every time the Doctor walks towards those vases, I can always spot the cable that they've tried to hide under the sand either side of both the pillars. If you just, I don't know if you noticed no, I've not it. Noticed that, no. I noticed it the first time I watched it. I was like, oh, you can see the cables running, obviously, to light them up. So yeah. next time you watch it, just look, you can see one either side of the screen going into the oh. sort of pillar that they're on. Yeah, I know. I can't, I can't see it. They'll probably digitally remove them one day. Father. Yeah, they'll do a George Lucas at some point. And yeah, I'm sure they will, yeah. Change everything. They'll and, have ants yeah. walking over it as long as you can't see it, yeah. yeah. And there'll be three releases of that box set over 10 years. And... <laughs> Only three. Only three. 
Uh, over on Twitter, we had our good friend, Neil Brighter Moon, says, uh, one of my fave two-part stories of Tenant's era, a good amount of creep factor, along with a solid cast. Uh, Tenant as ever is great in this one, and Rose gets a bit of a backseat for most of the episode. Uh, the effects haven't aged well, but it's still an 8 out of 10. 8 out of 10, okay, that's good. Over on Facebook, Miles McKenzie, a great conclusion to a great first part. Uh, the Ood are probably one of the creepiest monsters in New Who, especially when they're in the vents. The cast were on point and it concludes a strong story. One nitpick I do have is the vague hinting at the Doctor and Rose romance, which I cannot stand. Mm. Uh, but overall, 8.5. Uh, Lewis Palmer says, a worthy conclusion, fun and fast, uh, exciting, real edge of your seat stuff. CG is a bit wobbly, but it doesn't really matter. Uh, as the constant eerie atmosphere keeps you hooked. I love the fact that we never really know if Toby is possessed or not at any given time. Yeah. Uh, fantastic story, 8 out of 10. Cheers, Lewis. Uh, Joseph Howarth says, A great overall conclusion to a great two-parter. Everyone is brilliant in this. Again, I really wish the Ood were featured more in the new series because they are so unique as monsters and really demonstrate in these episodes why they are so good. Yes. Uh, the atmosphere is creepy and I like how the Doctor accepts that the Beast is a physical being but doesn't accept what is drawing up his own conclusions about the concept of the Devil. Overall, a great two-parter with a little bit of a niggle being the Rose, being that Rose was irritating uh, in mm. this otherwise uh, 8 out of 10. 8, okay, yeah. And good. lastly on Facebook, Martin Arnold says, one of the best New Who two-parters. I remember feeling pretty surprised they got away with the stuff in the episode. I'm glad they did, as it's a strong story. Mm. And we had a neat uh, review in via email from Ian Palmer. Uh, they say, uh, this is one of my favourite New Who stories. It's got such a great dark atmosphere and is uh, clearly heavily influenced by Alien. Uh, the vent chase, the grimy set design of the base, even mm. Flane's last signs are an echo of Ripley's final log for the Nostromo. Uh, I love the Doctor's interaction with the Beast too, a brilliant showcase of his character. Had some nice different type of shots and quick editing too, another positive to the episode. Uh, gets a big 10 out of 10 from me. 10 and out of 10. 10 tenants out of 10. Brilliant. Did you put anything out on the Geek's handbag? Yes, had a couple. No, no, I was awake. So, uh, yeah, Mark Daniel Mooney says uh, it's one of the highlights from the Tenant era. Charlie Turner says it's a satisfying conclusion to one of the best stories of Series 2 and gives it 10 out of 10 all round. Wow. And Susan Byrne says it's one of her all-time favourites. Nice. And that's it. Um, I've just got a, something else has just popped into my head that I forgot to ask you in the review. Um, how did they do? You know, there's a bit where Toby's going mad in the spaceship and he he sort of burps this fire out of oh, his mouth yeah, yeah. and it's done really well. Mm. Now, have they CGI'd that or Has they like, how have they done that? Have they, is he actually, have they, has he got a little pipe at the side no, of his mouth? No. Or how have they done that? No, it's a little it look, CGI. It looked really good. Yeah. I, I meant to pause it and go back and have a look, but. Uh, yeah, it's just yeah. a little CG bit of. Well, it's very well done. image fire. Well done. Yeah. Yeah. It shouldn't, a spicy meatball. Yeah, it's the mask, isn't it? <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, no it was cool actually uh, really crisp as well you know some of the CG looked a bit fuzzy because of the time that's what I mean yeah because we were talking about effects and I meant to mention it at the time but yeah, yeah. I thought that was particularly well done yeah yes. thank you very much guys for sending in your stuff some really good scores as expected this is a well known um, favoured two-parter from series two so uh, you didn't let us down thank you very much uh, yes. what are we doing next week dude so next week, Sarah Jane Adventure, uh, Whatever Happened to Sarah Jane is the story we're doing next week. So that'll right. be parts one and two of that. 
um, yes, look forward to a bit more Sarah Jane. We haven't seen this one before. No, I don't believe I have. No, no. I, I recognise the title though. I said to you earlier, didn't I? It sticks mm. in my mind that one people talk about, but I don't know if that's because it's good or bad. So, mm. yeah, I'm looking forward to watching that. Indeed, and I think we'll do that, mate, for one nine five. Okay. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for sticking with us for 195. It's been a bit of a long show, this one, but there have been plenty of news and merch to go through, which is nice because there's no mm. tumbleweed. So we actually had something to talk about, which mm. is good. A uh, very busy week for Who. Last weekend we had the teaser, uh, which we spoke about. So if you haven't seen that yet, very surprised if not but if you haven't seen it mm-hmm. it's online everywhere for the BBC going to take a look and by the time you listen to this we would have already seen the Doctor Who panel at San Diego Comic Con so that should have been uh, hopefully good and hopefully we might have got a, a decent trailer so it's very timey-wimey because this all happened obviously yesterday if you listen to this on Friday but uh, yeah San Diego is normally the place to be for all sort of exclusives not just merch but trailers and clips and everything so fingers crossed we get something decent from that mm. Mm, looking forward to seeing you know talking about it on next week's show see yes. what we actually got yeah it's gonna be cool uh also next week then the sarah jane adventures whatever happened to sarah jane give that a watch because we'll be asking you for your thoughts and opinions on that uh in the meantime check us out online www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk you can listen to all of our previous shows on there Plus, you can link off to all of our social accounts. Give us a like and a follow because we chat lots of who and other stuff throughout the week in between shows. Uh, Also, subscribe to the podcast itself on all of the podcast networks. Uh, iTunes is the big one, I suppose. Uh, We're on there. Just do a search for us on there or use the link on the website. And if you're an iTunes listener, a link, uh, sorry, a review and a rating would be awesome because that really helps us loads. Yes, it does. Also, check out Adam's channel, The Geeks the Handbag. The Geeks Handbag. Yay. Yes. He's just dropped a really awesome review of the recently released Tom Baker Series 12 Blu-ray set. It's very, very cool. Mm. Plus, he's got lots and lots of other cool stuff over there. He's also on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and all that stuff. I am indeed. So go and give him a subscribe on YouTube and a follow and like on all the other stuff. As I said, we're always chatting away. Lots of random waffle to do with who in between. Until next week for 196, my name's Gary. My name's Adam. And remember... Uh... Uh...